I'm telling all my friends not to shop here. Tell them. You think I want five other yous running around the store? Have them call me, I'll tell them. You think you hate this place more than me? I work here. Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you listen to Synchronon. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm your host, E. Simon. Actung, motherfuckers. It's me, Kate Rambo. Yes. It's cracking, Hello. Kate Rambo. Yeah, not much, mate. Um, had to go to town for the first time in over a year, and it was is, atrocious. Is it because the pubs are open again, and you so you're going to go get a pint of lager? Oh, I wish. No, I finally had to like do an errand that needed a real-life person. That I, I needed to get some shoes fixed. I had to take them to the cobblers. So <laughs> the cobblers. So the horse and buggy into town, and oh, my God, I have never seen more ugly people, more cretins out, and I was just... I just thought this is where the COVID started. Well, they've been locked down, so they're probably even more pastier than normal. Oh, no, it's just, it was just wall-to-wall uggos everywhere. Did... I was like, I made a vow. I was like, I'm never coming back here. So you stopped at the it. cobbler? Did you stop by the blacksmith? I did, and then I went done? and bought some um, some black sheep wool from the sheep wool seller. Oh, that's good. <laughs> it's I a went, typical English country town. To the know? candlestick maker, too. I went to him. So I'm all stocked up for like another winter of discontent. Did you see the vicar? I, no, I'm not that person. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I actually went to town, too. Uh, but you, you don't have a car, so you had to like walk to town, right? I, no, I told you I caught the horse and buggy. You caught the oh, okay, okay. So you just hitchhiked, caught the horse and buggy, had to give a hand job, but you got a free ride, so why not? Yeah, I mean it's just what you do in the north. It's the beauty of being a northern swag. You know? It is. Um, me, I, I drive my Prius, you know, through Hollywood to go uh, to go to the other side of town. But no, no I, one's I, giving you a hand job in that Prius. Let me no, tell no you. one's giving me a hand job in the Prius. I wish, but. Um, <laughs> No, so I went over uh, last night to Highland Park and was hanging out with some friends. And uh, they, like bars are open again. Things are open. And, uh, and so when I was driving back, I had to drive through Hollywood. And uh, like, I mean, it, was, it was weird because, you know, the best thing about COVID and why, I mean, I don't want to say there's anything great about COVID because it's fucking sucked. But the one thing that was actually kind of like a good thing about COVID is that there was no traffic. And that's, that's what sucks about L.A. because there's so many people here. You know, it's the most populous city in the state. Um, one of the most populous cities probably in the country. And there's just so many people. And so traffic, it's like worse than what you can imagine. I mean, this is bad as London, you know, just like terrible traffic. And so it's been like during COVID, you can be like, sweet, I can get across town in like 10 minutes. You know, it's fine. So I was driving back like through Hollywood today and I was just like, just mired in traffic that's not like standstill traffic not even moving and then you get to like you got to get creative and you go on ways and you start cutting down city streets and like cruising up sunset but hollywood block franklin block sunset block and i was just like what the fuck is going on and there's like helicopters around and i was just like there's something going on like it's like a saturday you're in hollywood and they do a lot of like parades and festivals and things and they were just like an inordinate amount 
of Armenian men, like in tank okay. tops with like Armenian flags draped over their cars, like playing like hip hop music and cruising around or just walking on the streets, draped in flags, drinking. And I'm like, there's like an Armenian thing going on. There's something, the Armenians are up to something. I don't know what it is. They're, <laughs> They're doing something. up to no good. Well, they were. <laughs> it was a big thing because like, you know, Sunset Hollywood, Franklin Block, Santa Monica Block. So I was like stuck in traffic trying to figure out what was going on. There's like helicopters and like cops blocking off roads and things like that. And then I looked in the news when I finally made it back. It took me like over an hour to get back from Hollywood to West Hollywood. It fucking sucked. I get back, I read the news. Biden officially declared Armenian genocide is officially a genocide. Okay. First so president get- to do that. I think they've been going back even Clinton was supposed to have done it, wasn't he? Yeah, but no president would officially declare it because they're worried about diplomatic ties with Ankara, Turkey. So what what does that mean? Do they get a special day? Well, I guess it's the 106th anniversary of the massacre's start. And so Biden said, each year on this day, we remember the lives of all those who died in the Ottoman era Armenian genocide the first president to say genocide and recommit ourselves to preventing such an atrocity from ever again occurring. And so I was reading this and I was just like, you know what? My people own the genocide term. Okay. Quit trying to take genocide away from us. You're just going to pull that card. Are you going to pull the Jew card? I'm pulling the Jew card because we had the worst genocide. All right. So when they start saying like, everybody's got a genocide, our genocide is downplayed. Yeah, you don't want to be like, we had the best genocide. We did have the best genocide. You didn't invent that, though. You know, the British actually invented the Holocaust. Well, so they did, but I'm just saying we had the highest death count. Six million. Oh, okay. okay? Right, so what, every year, are you guys out on the street drinking for your six million fallen bros playing hip-hop from your super well, I mean, there should be. There should be, like, you know, like, people should have to watch Fiddler on the Roof one day, and everybody has to watch it, and they have to, show like, it. eat matzo ball soup or something, you know? I'm, or Showa, yeah. Like, you got to sit through Showa. Everybody has to sit through Showa and watch it one day a year and eat matzo ball soup and drink Manischewitz wine and just remember who had the real genocide, all right? I'm not, I'm not trying to say Armenians didn't have a genocide. You know, you guys, I don't know, what, 1.8 million or something like that? That's significant. That's a lot of people that died. You know, I'm not saying, but it's not that six is. million. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm saying, you know, you're a genocide horse. Well, people Maybe say like, off so nice. You're making this so dark. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, people are like, well, what about the killing fields? Okay, yeah, that, sure. That was that was a bad genocide. You know, I think like Ooh, you probably bad. like maybe three million or something, not six. Two There's times as many. I would say going on in the killing fields. It was a lot more disorganized. Yeah, well, okay, or they're like, well, what about Rwanda? You know, Rwanda, there's a genocide there, 800,000, not Have you gone through and looked up to compare how many people compared to, so you can play the Jew top trump? I'm just, I'm just saying we had the master genocide. The main genocide, like the Super Bowl of genocides, was my people, you know, and we're not sitting there blocking off fucking Super Hollywood Bowl. Boulevard and fucking Sunset. You know, and having helicopters well, flying have around. To, because you own that town. That's why you don't have to do anything like that. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think, I think there should be, there should be uh, you know, a, there is a Holocaust Remembrance Day. I'm just saying Holocaust Remembrance Day should be a day where everyone's, a, you know, 
you know, takes the day off. They watch Showa. They do Jewy things. You know, I agree you, with this. And you I reflect upon a real fucking genocide. I definitely agree with you know? the watching of Showa. Once a year, everyone should watch. Yeah, All but you're not allowed to Shoah. masturbate like you do when you watch it. Oh, well, I'm not doing it then. <laughs> you know, the death toll of uh, the Armenian genocide has been in uh, dispute. Okay. Um, like the, they say, you know, estimates range from 300,000 to 2 million deaths between 1914 and 1923 with not all the victims in the Ottoman Empire. But most estimates, including... One of 800,000 between 1915 and 1918 made by the Ottoman authorities themselves fall between 600,000 and 1.5 million. It's not 6 million, but it's significant. And it is a genocide. Yeah, 1.5 million people being murdered, slaughtered, would be a genocide. So it amazes me that like Obama shied away from it and Trump shied away from it. I, I can understand why Trump did because Trump was kind of like you know the autocrat dictator types he kind of gravitated towards them like they're my bros but i'm surprised obama <laughs> wasn't just like no it's a genocide yeah and clinton too because he was yeah. all about that type of stuff uh yeah well you know what good for these guys i hope every day they have a lovely you know they eat some armenian food i'm trying to think of what's an armenian staple food and i mean they do like uh like armenian like Lebanese Turkish, hummus and stuff like that yeah, yeah it's like kind of turkish food um, great food, actually. There's a, one yeah. of my favorite restaurants. is an Armenian restaurant called Carousel here. It's one of the best. Labna. Labna's Armenian. Yeah, it's amazing. Labna's amazing delicious. Uh, so while the death toll is in dispute about what happened, um, photographs from the era document some of the mass killings. They show Ottoman soldiers posing with severed heads, others with them standing on, amid skulls in the dirt. The victims are reported to have died in mass burnings, by drowning, torture, gas, poison, disease, starvation. Children were loaded into boats, taken out to sea, chucked overboard. I agree with that. If, if that, but I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like, if that's not genocide, then what's a genocide? Um, I just think that the children thing is good thinking. We, you know, the world is overpopulated. Get rid of them. So the Turkish uh, presidency uh, communications director um, said the Biden administration's decision to misportray history out with an eye on domestic political calculations is a true misfortune for Turkey-U.S. relations. Uh-oh. Yeah. Is he putting his little foot down? Is he chucking the toys out of the pram a bit? He's, he's a bit, bit he's bitters. There's some bitters going on like, there. Yes, he's definitely drinking um, some bitter tears. The government of Turkey often registers complaints when foreign governments describe the event as a genocide. Who? To who? The U.N.? <laughs> Like, who do they complain it must to? Be, yeah, it must be just to their mum on the phone. <laughs> You'll never believe what he did next, mum. I'm going to leave him. This time, mum, it's it. I'm leaving him. Well, I just like how they're whining about like other countries being like, yeah, your mass slaughter of children and people and, and you know, pic pictures of you standing on people's skulls. Genocide. That sounds, every time you say that, I just think that sounds so cool. It is kind of cool. I mean, it is gnarly. You know. Totally. Uh, but they're partying. They were partying, boozing it up in the streets. It's like festival time in Hollywood today. A lot of Armenians live here. So, I mean, it was yeah. def definitely a lot of boozing. Now, Good were they them. boozing and killing? Oh. It's <laughs> a good segue, wasn't it? I was trying to figure yeah, out how I was going to do that. Every, every week, I'm impressed with your smart segue. That was off the cuff, too. I didn't even plan that one. Just straight off the cuff. Is that Improv. because you're big? Your big Jew brain. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Um, Gilbert Paul Jordan. 
that's who we're talking about today. He's a serial killer from the uh, 70s, 80s. Um, they nicknamed him the Boozing Barber. There he is. There he is, Boozing Barber. Look at that hair. Looks like an alcoholic. It's a very, like, red foreman from that 70s show, like, kind of look overall. Like, could be related to red foreman. And those glasses, those are serial killer glasses straight up. I don't know who would wear glasses like that. Like, um, crazy. I have a very similar pair too. <laughs> but uh, this guy uh, was the first and one of the only serial killers to murder his victims with alcohol. Vodka, crazy. mostly. But uh, yeah, I mean, he, he finished off his victims by pouring straight vodka down their throats intentionally giving them alcohol poisoning. He poisoned, he's on the record, nine women, but possibly dozens more. Do you know what? There's so many like 18, 19 year olds that go out to like Shagaloof and all those places that just lie on the bars getting shots poured down their throat. But I'm pretty sure that they, they weren't expecting what he did. No, I mean, the fact that he was like murdering people with vodka is, is I mean, it's very unique. You know, it's the shittest uh, vodka as well. Oh, yeah. You know, it's not like Finlandia or anything good like that. It's not primo grade. It's like New Amsterdam and shit like that. It's it's Glenn's vodka here, mate. (laughs) You're getting Tesco value slash Glenn's vodka. That's what you're getting. So guess where he's from? Where is this man from? Canada. Not surprised. (gasps) They drink a lot in Canada. They drink a lot in Canada. Yes, but they're so polite. They don't. They don't. Want not, to kill yeah, and then the killing isn't typical of Canada. Well, there's a few serial killers. To from be Canada, fair, but this is drinking. quite a polite, polite way to kill because you're kind of like just putting someone to sleep. It's not like you know you're chopping their head off in a bus. Well, we'll get into the details of the of his grisly mo. I don't know how polite it is, but um, the boozing barber over here. Uh, his, most of his murders occurred between 1965 and 1988 in Vancouver. Um, but at the time, a lot of people didn't even re- weren't even aware of the murders. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, one, a lot of his victims were indigenous women. And so oftentimes okay. the murders weren't even reported. He wasn't even arrested because it's like, they're not real people. You know? Well, Canada definitely has an issue. Like the Highway of Tears and definitely yeah, has an issue with the indigenous issue. women and indigenous people to Canada in general. But also, I mean, it's not like there's a body, you know, with like, you know, a head decapitated and blood spread over a hotel room. It's like, you know, it's a body that looked like someone you know, died from alcohol abuse, alcohol poisoning. You wouldn't suspect that someone was doing it intentionally to murder them. I mean, it's, it's a very unsuspecting like method of serial killing. It's, it's quite sense. clever in a lot of ways. So Gilbert... Paul Jordan killed between eight and ten women uh, between 1965 and 1988. Um, he also was a barber, which is uh, why they nicknamed him the Boozing Barber. I would never get my hair cut from this guy. He's probably wasted. I was going to say because he's too drunk. To yeah, like a, <laughs> um, born in Vancouver, December 12, 1931. Gilbert was an alcoholic and high school dropout by the age of 16. Uh, that's Good impressive. Brains. No, I mean, I, yeah, big brains there. But also, like, I drank a lot in high school, but alcoholic by 16, he had the gene so, for sure. So Canada's like America then because you can leave school at 16 in uh, the UK. And you Not can here, even go and work. Or you, yeah, okay. Um, so it's, it must be the same in Canada then. Um, by 21, he had a 
a, you know, a huge record here already of uh, convicted of theft, assault, car theft, possession of heroin, not yet murder, but soon enough, um, rape, abduction, uh, drunk driving. During one of his many incarcerations, uh, he learned the barber's trade. So while he was in prison, he learned how to be a barber. And uh, he opened the Slocan Barbershop in Vancouver's downtown east side, which is a notorious area, uh, very reminiscent of the Tenderloin. That's pretty much where prostitutes, drugs, homeless people, and it's still to this day like this. I, you know, I was looking at a video on YouTube um, where it just showed someone just following, like a, just walking through with like a GoPro camera, and you're just like, oh, that's the Tenderloin pretty much. Homeless I've people, always wanted to drug go. <laughs> yeah, to Vancouver. It's really sleazy in parts. I'd love to go. Have you yeah, ever been? I've never actually. I've never been. I've been to you know Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, but I've never actually been to uh, the west side of Canada. Yeah, I've always wanted to go to Vancouver and um, Vancouver Island. Yeah, I've always wanted to check it out too. So he inherited a small sum of money and he invested in the stocks. He played the stock oh, market. He made a lot of money. What? I was not expecting that little curveball. Oh, no, I was I reading thought... this, and I was just like, I love how a serial killer is better at picking stocks than I am. Yeah. You know, you'd think it'd be in my <laughs> blood. It's not. I suck at it. Um, but yeah, he, like, he made enough to open up a barbershop and keep him absolutely pickled in alcohol. Yeah. Um, and to afford a good lawyer that got him out of uh, many a jams. So um, between jail sentences... His barbershop here was in the is is located in the heart of Vancouver's downtown east side, and uh, he was a regular fixture in the CD bar scene. He blended in easily, especially with those glasses, um, <laughs> and wasn't intimidating. You know, he's kind of short, stocky, balding. Um, he reportedly drank a fifty ounce bottle of vodka per day. Yeah, which that's, I was trying to think like how how much is that? Is that like a pint? That's that's 50 shots a day, isn't it? 50 at ounces? Least. One ounce in a shot? Oh my God, up. can we not get, why can't you guys just get on our metric system? It's so annoying. Let's say that 50 ounces is what, a liter? I'm gonna go with a liter. A liter would be a thousand milliliters. Uh, 750 milliliters is a fifth. Okay, so 50 ounces, like a liter and a half. I have no fucking clue. Um, but, <laughs> he drank a lot of fucking vodka, right? He was an alcoholic yeah. by the age of 16. I think it's safe to assume that. Um, in addition to the alcohol, he was addicted to drunk sex. Who isn't? Who um, isn't? Drunk sex is the better sex. His targets were mostly First Nations women from Vancouver's downtown east side. Uh, First Nations are a group of Canadian indigenous people who are classified as like Inuits and Metis. It, it's, it is staggering, though, how many indigenous women continue to disappear, like, disappear and die to this day. And, the, yeah, and Canada just doesn't acknowledge. But, I mean, all that stuff with the, their indigenous was kicking off with the last few years. I yeah. mean, it's a, it's a problem that won't be solved. Well, it's a been a problem time. since, like, 1915 there. You See, know? It's, well, yeah. yeah, the Highway of Tears, they say that, you know, that's been, there's been murders on that since the 80s. And there's still, nobody's doing anything about it. <laughs> I read Whatever. some stats for uh, murder and missing indigenous women over the last 30 years. 133 disappear murdered a year, which is like three a week. That is craziness. That's Can you imagine if that, was, if that was free blonde white women disappearing a week? I don't think that would something happen. Will, <laughs> something would yeah. be done. Yeah. Um, so his targets were these First Nation women who were mostly prostitutes. 
Um, he'd find them in bars, he'd buy them drinks, or he'd pay them for sex and invite them to drink with him, either in a hotel or back at his barber shop. He was a well-known mark. He bought uh, many vulnerable Aboriginal women drinks. Um, they'd party till they both passed out. And it's estimated that hundreds of women who were binge drinking with Jordan went missing, possibly murdered. It was between 1980 to uh, 1987. Uh, but he had been, they say, you know, he'd been killing since, like, possibly the 60s. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I need a history of it. 1961, there's a timeline of the Boozing Barber's crimes. 1961, he was found with a five-year-old First Nations girl in his car. He was charged with abduction, but never convicted. Five-year-old. Oh, oh, so it's okay to take five-year-old little girls. What is he It's a 30-year-old man driving around with a five-year-old girl. It's not that his, he's kidnapped and he, he's going to get five years. Do you know what? Sometimes like Britain takes the piss with his sentences, but that takes the piss. Uh, later in the year, 1961, he held up traffic by threatening to jump off the Lions Gate Bridge in a drunken stupor. Oh, we've all been there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're going to go, you might as well make a scene. Um, oh, yeah. He was held in contempt of court for doing a Nazi salute at the judge. <laughs> this me and car. <laughs> 1963, he lured two women into his car, raped them, and stole their possessions, but um, was convicted of theft, acquitted of rape. Indigenous this, women. This guy's lawyer is fantastic. Do you think he was Jewish like you? Possibly. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it'd be that difficult because most of his victims were indigenous women and no one really cared. I mean, they were also the like on Skid Row too, like... Yeah. It's 1965, a woman by the name of Ivy Rose, local prostitute, went drinking with Gilbert. Her nude body was later found in a Vancouver hotel with a blood alcohol content of 0.51. That's six times higher than the legal driving limit, almost double okay. what experts call the danger zone. Oh, wow. Yeah, where you can die of alcohol poisoning. Um, that was, you know, there were no charges laid in, in the death. They said it was just accidental. You know, accidental alcohol overdose. But I was thinking, like, what are they drinking? You know, like Everclear uh, yeah. vodka or something? It does happen, though, because think about it. Because, like, Amy Winehouse died because she drank, like, a whole bottle of vodka after being dry for a certain amount of time. So there's certainly times where I've been like, oh, I'm not, I don't drink for two weeks. And then I go and get hammered and I probably get into that danger zone. And you yeah. just don't even know about it because it's, and also, Everyone I mean, there's drinks. variables, like I'm drinking on an empty stomach, you know. Of course. Yeah. Um, majority of his victims were intravenous drug users, um, many having like a lethal toxin level already amplified with mixed use of ethanol. Ethanol is sometimes called grain alcohol because it's the main type of alcohol produced by grain fermentation, so like beer, vodka. Um, I think wine is considered, um, yeah, wine would be considered uh, ethanol as well. Overdose deaths from ethanol consumption alone are kind of rare because usually heavy oh. drinkers reach a blood ethanol limit where they pass out long before it like shuts down your central nervous system. You I know. see. Um, most, uh, most often the deaths are caused by aspirating on vomit, which is pretty much what the, the what like bon cause Scott. of death for so many rock and roll drummers. Um, I don't know how <laughs> many Spinal Tap drummers died from choking on their own vomit. Oh, at least was it eight. at least 10? Yeah, eight, <laughs> eight to ten. Yeah. So you'd aspirate in your vomit before reaching a lethal 
BEC, blood ethanol content. So a BEC of 0.35% is 35 milligrams of uh, ethanol per 100 milliliters of blood is considered the start of the lethal range. And so note well, that's that what Amy Winehouse had. She had 300 She was 0.35? Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So she was, she was right there. So the, the standard for drunk driving, at least in this country, and I'm assuming Canada, is 0.08%. Oh, you blew. That's like tiny when you say those two numbers next to each other. But it's like four it? times the amount of legal limit. Uh, no, that that's mental. Well, well, you guys. I mean, you guys have very strict drunk driving laws, don't you? Yeah, even in Scotland, you can't you can't drink anything and drive in Scotland. I mean, do people just? Is it rare for people to uh, drink and drive there? It is rare, and you you also thought of as like um, an absolute dumb dumb if you do it. People well, it just like not impressed with it. It is a dumb thing to do. And plus, things are a bit different over here compared to America. Our public transport is, like, usually a lot better than what you guys offer. And there's always, like, yeah. taxis. So there's no Ubers. reason to. I mean, in this day and yes. age, it's like, take a fucking lift. I mean, yeah, sure, it'll cost you 30 bucks, but it's a lot better than $5,000 in a night in jail, you know? Or possibly um, killing yourself or someone. Eh, chances are probably slim. <laughs> but still, it can happen. It um, happens. Ethanol is metabolized by the liver at a rate of about 50 milliliters per 90 minutes. So that's like two beers or one nine-ounce glass of wine every hour and a half. Okay. So drink more than you can absorb and you'll get drunk. Wake up still drunk and you're hungover. That so happens. that's kind of the way it works. So the boozing barber here, Gilbert, in uh, 1969 was charged with drunk driving twice in the same day. I don't know. I don't know if it was the same cop, but that's a, that's an impressive stat. Two times, this guy was uh, pulled over for drinking and driving. Was, How he was does driving, that happen? He was driving like B. A. Baracus, wasn't he? Like, Just, well, I mean, but ser seriously, like, usually when you're drinking and driving, you get arrested and you're in jail. So this guy got arrested, and then they released him. He was thrown straight back to the bar and got arrested again. It must have been just a nice Canadian cop who was like, I'm just going to tell you off now, eh? <laughs> and then he just went straight back out. Well, don't go do it again, okay? I do apologize to all Canadians for what I just massacred your accent. That <laughs> sounds good to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I mean, what the hell? The guy's like drinking, driving twice in the same day. This guy's superpower is alcohol. And fueled by it, too. Yeah. Um, 1971, he was charged with committing an indecent act in a public place, but the charges were dropped. We all um, know what that is. Yeah. He was his dick. Probably. Meat spin. Uh, in 1973, in Mackenzie, British Columbia, convicted of indecent exposure. Um, yeah, this guy's just an all-around good Samaritan here, you know? Stand-up fella. Um, in 1974, there's an attempt by prosecutors to have him be charged as a dangerous offender. But with the help from his lawyer, I mean, he had a really good lawyer, uh, the does. request was denied. Um, 1975, he abducted a woman from a mental institution. What? <laughs> which is kind of crazy too. He must have been wasted. You know, just when he was just like, I need to, you know, I need to, I need to get laid. So he's like, where am I going to find a girl? He just happened to be driving by a nut house. He's like, I'm just going to go get one. 
No, houses are always on the outskirts of the city as well. So what, you drove up to Arkham Asylum and just, like, picked up whoever was hanging up outside? Yeah, I don't know. Do you dress up as an orderly, wrap her in a street jacket, wheel her out? That, I don't know how it worked. That would be a good film. I would say it would be a high comedy. Well, uh, he found himself in the courtroom once again. This time he faced charges of kidnapping. And I'm using the official wording here of the charge. Sexual intercourse with a feeble-minded person. <laughs> which is like Kate's last three relationships. I stop it. That's a joke I was going to say. <laughs> I knew it. I had to, I had to get to stay on top of that one. Um, but yeah, I love how that's I'm a so charge. so obvious. Yeah. <laughs> Feeble-minded. They would never say that today, would they? They would no. say LD. Uh, he was sentenced to 26 months in, in the slammer for that one. Um, so now, like, at this point, you know, he wasn't really convicted of murders from, like, 75 or even convicted of that many crimes from, like, 75 to 87. And if they were, they weren't, like, you know, that notable. But 19, and, you know, pro- quite possibly he was probably murdering hundreds of women and just it was never reported. But um, yeah. fast forward to October 12th, 1987, there's a woman named Vanessa Lee Buckner. She was found naked on the floor of the Niagara Hotel after a night of drinking heavily with uh, Gilbert. Now, there's some debate about this victim. Some say that she was a white woman, not that much of a heavy drinker, nor was she a sex worker. However, other people describe her as a prostitute, a alcoholic, and a, a heavy drinker. Um, so official court records describe her death as a result of Jordan supplying a lethal amount of liquor to a female alcoholic who died as a result. Um, she had recently lost custody of her newborn baby, who had been born with a drug dependency. I'm there thinking she was probably a heavy drinker. You know, maybe, maybe that- it's just me. But I'm also thinking she might be a prostitute because my first thought is, is like, yeah, we've all done it. when We've been at the bar. We're getting drunk. You hook up with someone and like you'll go back and have drinks with them. Possibly leads to more. Possibly doesn't. But you're not doing that. You're not going back to like a skid room hotel with a guy, are you? Unless... You're not giving birth to babies who are like, you know, coming out with a heroin. You were jonesing. You yeah. got water on the brain. <laughs> yeah. Um, she was an alcoholic and a taker of various kinds of drugs. Uh, his fingerprints were found in a bottle and thus linked to uh, Buckner's death. It was a bottle of Dr. McGillicuddy's menthol mint liquor. Have you ever had that? What ment- menthol mint liquor? Like liqueur. what? Is it like liqueur. a schnapps? Yeah. Do you know what? That's what um, Phil Spector used to drink. He used to drink really? the mint schnapps. Yeah, Dr. McGillicuddy's? Uh, I think he was probably on a higher brand than that, but that he yeah. would drink a bottle of that a day. Phil Spector was an alcoholic. This shit too. will fuck you up. It's going to, I mean, it's, I don't know what, what did proof is schnapps? schnapps? I, do, I don't know, but like schnapps to me is something awful. that you'll have a shot of. I wouldn't even have a shot of it. It's not something that you drink awful. of. One of the ones the girls all drink archers over here. That's like a peach schnapps. They all have archers. archers. Is it? But is that like a drink? But is that a drink you drink like uh, you know, when you're in high school? Yeah, it's kind of like a girly drink that you'll have, like you know, or Malibu. It's like one of those kind of Malibu. I've been drunk off of that because there's just nothing else at uh, this girl I was dating. I remember her parents just had like a bottle of Malibu, and it's just like fuck. I guess that's what we have to drink because when you're that young, you have no choice. 
yeah, from time to time, I don't, I don't mind a Malibu, but it's not something I'm going to be like, I'm getting wrecked on Malibu tonight, lads. Look at me. <laughs> it's not that. So a month after Buckner's death, another woman named Edna Shade. I love that name, Edna Shade. Uh, yeah. She was found dead in another hotel, same circumstance. Oh, wow. He's plowing through them now. It's suspicious, though. And so at this point, that's when the RCMP started looking at Gilbert Paul Jordan, started surveilling him. You know, they followed his movements. And between October 12th and November 26th, 1987, they watched him search out First Nations women in Vancouver's east side. And on four occasions, there it is, that's his uh, hunting grounds. I like that, like, what's up with that? Adult XXX. Yeah, good times. It's, good it's, times it. to be had in there. Yeah, but they don't even try to, like, you know, mask the name of the store. It's just like, yeah, we're, we just sell porn, okay? You might as well just call it, like, porn shop. Um, but, yeah, so they, they, on four occasions, had to rescue women who were in his company. Four? Come on, Mounties. Why not lock yeah. this guy up? Wow. He's obviously a menace. You know? Just society. Um... More alcohol-fueled deaths. Rosemary Wilson, November 20th, 1987, found with a blood alcohol content of 0.52. Oh, my uh, word. Verna Chartrand, November 21st, blood alcohol content of 0.43. Sheila Joe, definitely a prostitute's name. Um, <laughs> her blood alcohol content actually wasn't recorded. And uh, Mabel Olson, November 26th, 0.57. The way I'm thinking about it, so it's kind of like it equals to kind of one shot of vodka so if you think about it they're drinking like 50 shots of vodka in three four hours if that maybe two hours i mean like... probably yeah, like probably two you know fifths of vodka because so i looked this up the average symptomatic presentations of ethanol poisoning in relation okay. to bec so when you're like most people are like between 0. 0.02 0.07 percent that's when you get like you're intoxicated you're not wasted. I mean, you're drunk, but you got the euphoric feeling. You're having a good time, smoking cigarettes, probably can still get your dick hard. You know, you can party. Um, once you get to 0.08, can't, you know, you probably shouldn't be driving at this point, but you can still party. But 0.08 to 0.19, that's when you start having ataxia, your loss of body control. You might be a yeah. little, you know, you're, you're probably um, falling over, you're stumbling, poor judgment. Uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely get that. Yeah. <laughs> um, 0. 0.20 to 0.29% advanced ataxia. That's when you're actually shitting yourself. You know, that's when you're like pissing your pants. No, no, I've, I've pissed my pants once when drunk, but I've never shit myself. That's just your problem. That's probably you, you don't that. remember that, but yes. <laughs> um, your pants remember it. Extremely <laughs> poor judgment and nausea at that stage. 0.30 to 0.35% stage one anesthesia. Memory collapse. 035 to 0.39% comatose. And 0.40 and above respiratory failure and sudden death. Most of these women were over 0.4. Obviously. Yeah. So it makes me wonder, like, how do you get, you know, a woman to drink that much? Like, what's, what's his technique? Like, how do you do it? Like, don't you, you know your limit. Like, if some dude's just sitting there like, shot, 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 would you be like, yeah, this creep is probably going to try to, like, date rape me? 
Have we just come to the point where I, wouldn't you be vomiting everywhere as well? But I think I would just be like, I'm probably not going to do this. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to like shit myself in front of you. <laughs> but but you know, I yeah, just but... know that I'm not going to keep doing shots of Birdman because I'm going to be, or whatever, shots of Jaeger. I just know yeah, I'm but not... he's bringing back other women from Skid Row who are alcoholics. So he's he can easily entice them by being like, have some more, have some more. Go on, honey. Who knows when your next frill might be? All right. So I can well, see... Kay Rambo. Let's let's paint the scene here. Let's say right. you're in a what? dive bar, Vancouver's downtown east side. Oh, I love it. You know, a swarthy gentleman comes in Ooh. wearing uh, glasses much like mine, mm. but he's balding a bit, but whatever, mm. you're drunk. And uh, he said, hey, have a drink. Down the hatch, baby. 20 bucks if you drink it right down. 20 let's, bucks? Sure. Let's see if you're a real woman. Finish that drink. Finish that drink. Come on. You need another drink. I'll give you 50 bucks. 50? I'd be like, I want to see this money right now. Yes, he, I'll He brought do it, it out. I mean, he had a lot of cash. I mean, he played the stock market. Owned a barber shop. He said, I'll give you 10 20 $50, whatever you want. Come on. I want to see you get it all down. You can get it down. I can for 50 <laughs> You know, I'll give you 50 bucks. I told you, if you finish that bottle, I'll give you $70 to $5 right now. Oh, okay. That's a bit, that's asking too much. Yeah, but I'm saying like that would probably work on me. I can't finish it. Well, yes, of course it would. <laughs> I can't finish a whole bottle of vodka. But the... I mean, keep in mind. Not nowadays. These women are skid row prostitutes. I'm they sure are. they're alcoholics, drug users. You know, they have a susceptibility to this. So it's like not only that, you're getting some guys like, I'll give you a hundred bucks. Let's just finish off this bottle. And he's drinking with them. Obviously, he has a higher tolerance. He's been drinking since he's been like, I don't know, 10. Um, <laughs> so police arrested Gilbert as he was poisoning a woman one time. They walked in in a residential hotel and they found him poisoning a woman. When they entered the room, the woman was unconscious. Gilbert was on top of her, forcing vodka down her throat. She was passed out. He was pouring vodka down her throat, raping How is she her. not... At the same time? How yeah. is it... How is, right, number one, how is she not drowning? How is he not, it must have been, I'm trying to think, how, she can't have been flat on her back. Let's just put it like that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe. in a chair or something. But I mean, he's Could have been he's doggy still, style. He's still sober enough that he can get a boner. Well, I think this guy's got a hell of a tolerance. He obviously does. Probably oh, wasn't wearing you? a condom. What a terrible death, being raped and forced to drink Glenn's vodka as you die. Um, at his trial, Gilbert was quoted as saying, they're on, they're on their last legs. I didn't give a damn who I was with. I mean, we're all dying sooner or later. Very eloquent. You know? Okay, Bob Dylan. Yeah, memento mori here. <laughs> yeah. It's like we've we got to be aware of our deaths. You know? <laughs> wow. Um, during the trial, the Crown presented evidence that Gilbert was also connected to six other women at the time of their death. So there's Mary Johnson. She had a blood alcohol level of uh, 0.34. Barbara Paul, 0.41. Mary Johns, 0.76. Oh, my word. Found nude in his barbershop. Oh, I mean, it's crazy to me that the Mounties weren't aware of like, okay, we've had five women who drank themselves to death naked in this guy's barbershop. Something is amiss here. 
Yeah, if I was like a poutine eating cop and I went into a barbershop and there's a naked woman in there dead, I would be a bit like, well, I can understand she drank herself to death, but why the fuck is she naked, mate? With a BEC, though, of 0.79? Yeah, that's mental. That's, that's, like... that's not drinking yourself. That's like leaving Las Vegas. You ever see that with Nick Cage? I love that film. Yeah. It's heartwarming. It's a family classic. It's perfect <laughs> for a rainy Sunday afternoon. Um, Patricia Andrew... Uh, found 1985 blood alcohol level 0.79. Oh, it's, he definitely was forcing that booze down their throat. Yeah, no, it's insane. Impressive stats. I mean, I wonder if he withdrew blood as a token, took it back home to his lab and measured the alcohol level and had it like all arranged. Oh, that would be, see, if this was to be a film, that could be like a little B story about him, that he was also an amateur um, scientist. He had these little well, Like Dexter. Like, you know, everyone like like to keep yes. a little, they all like to keep a souvenir. So I wonder for him, it's like, let's see how drunk I can get this woman. And that, yeah, try and get it into the 900s. Maybe that was his ultimate goal. I mean, he paid them to drink with him. He offered them money if they could chug a bottle or two of alcohol. When they passed out, he continued to pour liquor down their throats and rape them as they died. So he's a necrophiliac. Oh, he doesn't like to drink alone. He definitely doesn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> Vanessa Lee Buckner's father said of Gilbert, he poisons them first and has sex with them. No parent should have to go through this. He's a worm. He's a low life. He should be squashed just like he squashed a lot of girls' lives. Well, I don't know how great of a father you were. I mean, your daughter was a skid row prostitute. And that is also true. But they don't deserve to die in this manner. No, but I'm just saying, I think the father could have been maybe a little more present in his daughter's life so she didn't end up on the streets of Vancouver's downtown east side. That's true, yeah. And she might not have met Gilbert, the alcohol murderer. The boozy barber, D. That's his nickname. <laughs> he was found guilty of manslaughter in the death of Vanessa Lee Buckner. Not, you know, first-degree homicide. It was manslaughter, which is interesting. <laughs> Uh, but he was sentenced to 15 years in prison for that. I mean, she was a white woman. So, you know, mm -hmm. you, you will go to prison for murdering white women. Um, but that was reduced to nine years on appeal, and he only served six. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so after six years in prison, he was released. And it wasn't too long after that that he was in trouble again. June 2000, um, he was charged with sexual assault. And uh, negligence causing bodily harm and possession of a noxious substance, alcohol. Oh, was he? Oh, was it? As I say, was he moving into like, you know, chloroform territory next? <laughs> well, it was around this time that he changed his name to Paul Pierce. Okay. Yeah, yeah to he... try and cover his tracks. Because he would his face like a long skid row now. Would everyone not just be talking amongst themselves? Well, he was a like, known mark, yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't go with this fella because you're going to die. Would it not be like that? Or some of them, they like, you know, you know who's got the best booze? He'll pay you 75 bucks to chug a bottle of vodka. Chug it, chug it. Um, totally like that. I'm surprised he didn't choose like a more, you know, obscure literary reference type of name like uh henry chinaski you that know would have been that would have been a good one yeah Bukowski's like a, alter ego or ernie hemingway yeah like you know there's, there's better names i think you could go with jack torrance something you know famous drunks yeah just go with lots of them um at the time fingerprinting and criminal records checks were not required in, in british columbia to have your name changed so, um, but the law changed, I guess, while he was in the process. 
So uh, he had to drop the application. Because he didn't want to get caught. Oh, do you know what his initials would have been if he became Paul Pierce? I just figured it out. His initials would have been pee-pee. <laughs> Some A-list humor there. <laughs> you don't want to be with a pee-pee, do you? In 2002, Gilbert was arrested, a breach of probation for drinking and being in the presence of a woman while in possession of alcohol. He had a pretty oh. strict probation, you know, probation terms. I'm surprised it was his probation not basically stay out of Skid Row. You think it's like you can't drink anymore and you're not allowed, you know, within 30 feet of a prostitute. They would put him in a halfway house and put a, a leg, a, an ankle monitor on him and track his movements. Why aren't they doing this? The, do you know why? It's because they're too busy eating poutine. That's why. Drinking maple syrup. He was sentenced to 15 <laughs> months in jail and three years probation there for that. 2004, he was found in violation in Saskatchewan. He was found binge drinking at a hotel with a woman named Barb Berkeley. Uh, Barb was taken to the hospital by staff at the hotel. and She was found in very bad condition, but she didn't die. And the Mounties gave him a warning at that point. Oh, just a but, warning. Uh, Such yeah. a warning. <laughs> But he only had about two more years left before his liver gave out, and uh, he died in 2006 at the age of 74, which I was kind of stunned that a guy who drank at this like, copious amounts of booze wow. lasted 74, because like Bob Madigan probably died at like, I think, 48, 49. My, my dad was 61. Yeah, so this guy who's drinking like knocking back, I don't know, bottles of booze every day. Yeah, probably he's probably having at least a liter, I would say. At least 40 shots of vodka a day this man is having. I wonder if they preserved his liver. Like you you know, you might be able to get it on like murderabilia.com. Ooh, a piece of his liver. Tasty. Yeah. It's pickled for sure. Remember <laughs> there was that huge craze going around during the COVID about um you making your pasta with vodka. This guy this guy probably invented pasta vodka. Yeah. I would say so. He was also the first person convicted in Canada to use alcohol as a murder weapon. I can't think of any other killer that has been convicted of using alcohol as a Well, I was wondering if, like, frat boys that, you know, kill people involuntarily, like involuntary manslaughter, well, like, wouldn't that be yeah, alcohol as a murder weapon? Kind of, but that's also different, isn't it? This guy is picking up people, forcing alcohol down their throat as he fucks them to death. That's intentional, and that is a murder. Whereas you think frat boys, frat boys is, don't do that? Uh, they definitely <laughs> do. But their intention is to not kill, is it? It just sometimes yeah. fucking happens. Um, it just wasn't seen at this point, you know, that, that, that it was murder. Like, alcohol could be a murder weapon. And I think that's why a lot of his murders, that were clearly murders, weren't considered murder for the longest time like there was a period of you know a period where he was charged you know with crimes and connected to suspicious circumstances but then they just never charged him with murder and between 1975 to like 87 i'm sure he continually drank with aboriginal women and you know and they were found dead in his hotel room or his barber shop but they're like oh well you couldn't have killed them there's no knives there's no like gunshot wounds it's very intelligent way to kill someone in a in a manner you can he's obviously proven that you can get away with it but it's also very depraved like he preyed on the most vulnerable and desperate women that he could find yeah you know 
he was an opportunist. And a lot of his victims were alcoholics. So I think at that time he was just like, I'll just feed them more booze. Yeah. You know? And so, um, yeah, Very I think a lot of, character. but I think a lot of the police were like, well, I guess he's, they're alcoholics and their alcoholism finally caught up to them and that's why they died. But you know, he was a lifelong criminal, never showed any remorse for any of his victims. He's like, you know, they're on their last legs. I'm just helping them out here. Yeah, I'm doing you all a favor. I'm cleaning up the streets. I don't know. Is Vancouver, I don't know if Vancouver is a safer place with him gone, but I don't know, maybe people well, are checking as much. Well, obviously it is. Yeah. Well, well, I'm sure there's another one or two. Or three. <laughs> on the, on the um, way. I think the takeaway here is know your limits, people. You know, 0.5 is too high. You don't want to be don't that drunk. Well, yeah, just just don't go back to um, hotels, a strange man. Just don't do it. Or barbershops. All barbershops. <laughs> this episode 788 here is sick and wrong. we got some news stories coming up next, um, some phone calls a little later in the show. Uh, but first, here's a word about our Patreon page. Brothers and sisters, this is the Atheist Preacher, and I'm here today to tell you about the Sick and Wrong Patreon, patreon.com slash sickandwrong. As we all know, money is the root of all evil, so what better way to cleanse your soul than by kicking some into the plate for the Sick and Wrong Patreon? Not only do you get to enjoy all the original sins, like extra news stories, phone calls, and outtakes, you also get to feel self-righteous knowing you've helped this Jew and this Jezebel on their path to hell. Hallelujah! So first story we have here, this could be a scene. This could be a scene out of the film You're Next. You ever ah. see that? Yeah, I really that like that film? film. I like it. It's, it's, a, it's a good one. Yeah, yeah, surprisingly liked it. And it was relatively recent. I think like 2008, 2007, something like that. But it's a good horror movie. It's a, it's it's a fun, fun one, people. Lots of gore. Um, you should check that out. You're next. Um, also, it's a good use of that Dwight Twilly song, Looking for the Magic. So it's oh, a, right. they, they really utilize that song well. <laughs> um, pregnant mom begged for life as crossbow maniac killed her partner then shot her in the head. With a crossbow, like on Buffy. Crossbow. No way. They used a crossbow, if you recall, in You're Next. The guys with like, the masks had a crossbow. They do, but my, my first thought went to Buffy because Buffy rocked a crossbow, but instead of arrows, she had stakes for the vampires. And she put a stake in the crossbow? Yeah. She killed nice. loads of... Yeah, it was cool. She killed the master that way. <laughs> so this mom told of her life and de- death struggle here uh, with a crossbow maniac who killed her partner and shot her head, shot her in the head when she was five months pregnant. Oh so my she's God. pregnant, this lady, five months pregnant. And she and, survived having an arrow in the head. Well, it gets worse than that. Deranged what? neighbor Anthony Lawrence broke into Laura Sugden's semi-detached house through a shared loft and then <gasps> lay in wait for her and her boyfriend, Shane Gilmer. Then he launched a murderous attack that could have come straight out of a horror film, like You're Next. Uh, miraculously, Laura and her unborn uh, daughter, she was five months pregnant, survived the attack. And now she's campaigning for tighter regulations for crossbows, which apparently you can buy in England for only about 150 quid. Seriously? You can get a, cross- you can get a crossbow right now. Go to eBay. 150 Do you know, quid. I'm qu- 
because I'm quite a posh Northern slag. I did a archery in school, but we never got to the level where we could have used crossbows. I would have stuck with the archery if there was ever a promise that we were going to get to the crossbow level. Because you guys had archery in school. Yeah, I did it. It's like it was like my sports. We did That's it. It was crazy. called out, outdoor pursuits. We did like but archery, guess... horse riding, uh, mountain climbing. Oh wait, did, did you have it? Like, did you compete against other schools, or is this no? Like this a is like our sports. This is what we did for sport. Wow, crazy horseback riding too. You went to a posh school. Did you say uh, Charlie Hunnam like was in your school or in your grade? Yeah, he was a couple years older than me, but um, I was in drama. I did drama with him and I did like two plays of him. I bet you that Complete. guy got laid. He probably got um, laid, didn't he? Kind of. He did date one of my friend's sister, but he was a complete cunt. I did not like him <laughs> on. Really arrogant. <laughs> um, he just wasn't fun to work with. I hope he's not listening to the show and he's just like, I'm never listening to Sick and Wrong again. She, Kate Ramble called me a cunt. He won't remember me. <laughs> I was just a lowly technician. <laughs> uh, describing the full terror of that night, January 2018, Laura said she found Lawrence, 55-year-old man, hiding in the bedroom of her then three-year-old daughter, Isabel. That's Who apparently terrifying. wasn't there at the time. Um... Lawrence had previously threatened her husband or her boyfriend, actually, they weren't married, um, but her, I think the, her baby daddy, um, Shane, with an axe after the couple protested about his loud music. I'm sure he was listening to Meatloaf because that's what all English people listen to. What is, are you trying to slag on Meatloaf? Don't you dare <laughs> slag off Meatloaf in my presence because I will climb into your baby's room with a crossbow. Well, Lawrence was being, it was in the process of being evicted because uh, Laura and her husband Shane, her boyfriend Shane, complained to the landlord about cannabis fumes and uh -oh. a suspected plant growing operation going on next door. Oh, in, the, uh, in the attic, probably. In the yeah. shed. That's always scared me because in a lot of the, I don't know, is this in America as well? In a lot of the older houses here, they you do share attic space and a lot of them can be They'll be like walled off, but it's not walled off properly with like bricks. It's like drywall. You could break a hole in them and get into your next door neighbor's house. Well, that's exactly what happened in this situation. Yeah, so it's the, terrifying. The couple had just gone home after a Friday night at an Italian restaurant in Hull. Hull in, oh my God. Hull stinks. Is it a shithole? It's a shithole that stinks because of the river. It's disgusting. So they went to a restaurant called Gino Diacampo. I'm assuming it's Italian. Um, in Hull. And when they got home, Laura saw a dark stain on the carpet under the loft hatch. Terrifying. Apparently, Andrew Lawrence dismantled, I guess, the wall brick by brick and made enough room for him to get from his house into their house. Like he basically just went through the wall, like you were just saying. Yeah. Um, she gingerly pushed open the bedroom door oh. to find Lawrence wearing a head torch in the dark room, pointing what she thought was a gun at her. <gasps> Nothing terrifying about that. You know? No. Oh, God. <laughs> you know what? You've just been out for a lovely, happy hour meal with your boyfriend. You've had some, like, oh, I hope they ended on a tiramisu. Although my local Italian here, the really good one, it, one of the dessert options is a banana split. 
It's weird. That's not Italian. That's not Italian at all. But I always get the banana. I always get the banana split. I'm very partial to them. I think you'd have seen that, that banana split again if you walked into your daughter's bedroom <laughs> and you found this guy, 55 year old man with a like, so we, a head torch. I'm assuming is like a like a light on yeah. like a flat like yeah. a flashlight attached to his forehead. Horrified, she asked what he was doing in the house before shouting to her boyfriend Shane, "Don't come up. He's got a gun." Now I'm about to make a statement here that I think will will prove to be valid as a, as we continue on with this narrative. This woman's a fucking badass. This woman she, is yeah. she's the character from Your Next, and you'll know if you've seen that movie who I'm talking about. Most people at this point who would walk into their daughter's bedroom at night and find a 55 year old man with a head torch, like Buffalo Bill type of shit. And a fucking like crossbow point at her would scream, run downstairs and get the fuck out of your house. Not this woman. You know, she's like, what are you doing in my daughter's bedroom? Uh, know, don't come upstairs. He's got a gun. Yeah, it's because she's too full of lasagna and she's like, oh, fuck, I just want you to lie down. And here's this fucker. Better shout to him now. I think there's also like this level of like confidence that pregnant women have because they're like oh people are going to be compassionate you know i'm pregnant because i'm pregnant you know it's also don't forget she's a tough northern yorkshire woman and you don't mess with them and she knows the guy it's their neighbor true so, although you know, she might not like, have recognized him well i think she was like you know what are you doing so yeah. she stepped back into her hallway and lawrence pushed her into the main bedroom shoving her this five month you know she's five months pregnant onto the bed before running back into the hall as the boyfriend ran up the stairs. She grabbed her phone and dialed 999. And uh, she said, I was terrified. It was surreal. I kept thinking, like, this isn't happening. That's when she heard Shane, her boyfriend, say, what the fuck is that? Next thing I heard him moaning loudly. Oh, no. He was getting a hand job from the guy. <laughs> the I'm joking. It's not the good kind of moaning here. It's the bad kind of moaning. Um, and seconds later, Lawrence dragged Shane on his knees, like by his hair, into the room. A crossbow bolt had gone through his right forearm and lodged into his abdomen, damaging oh. his liver and a kidney before embedding in his spine. So he was oh, like shot at like point blank range. You know, it just went right through into his body. Laura then asked, is that going to kill him? Once again, you think she'd be <laughs> screaming, fight or flight would kick in at this point, but this woman's still rational. She's like, is that going to kill him? It's got the smart, you know? Um, Whoopsie! <laughs> she vividly recalls Lawrence's chilling, smirking reply, yes, and now I'm going to kill you too. She said the smirk was the only emotion he showed during the entire incident. Oh my God. Um, as she begged for her life, you know, because she's pregnant, she's saying I'm pregnant, she begged for her life. He said the attack was in revenge for getting him evicted, which is something he only knew by listening to them through the wall with a special device. What, a glass? <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, glass up to the wall. I don't know. Yeah. No, this guy's like, this guy's psychotic. She begged for her life, saying she's pregnant, saying we've got children. He simply stared at her, moved her ha his hand up in a talking motion and said, blah, blah, fucking blah, before this shooting is, her in the head with a crossbow bolt. This is like a film. 
But isn't that one of the best responses to that like pregnancy plea for mercy you've ever heard? Blah, blah, bitty, blah, the fucking blah. Yeah. Oh, I'm pregnant. Do I have to give you my seat now? Call the ambulance. Oh, and then he like shoots wah, her in the head with a, with a crossbow bolt. She said blood was gushing down her face and she felt dizzy. And she heard her, her boyfriend Shane scream. She looked at, over at him and he was pale and crying. Which, fair enough. I mean, a lot of Englishmen are like that. I'm thinking of Morrissey here. Um, They're just like that to begin with, yeah. <laughs> Laura, badass, found the strength to stand up and pull the fucking crossbow bolt out of her head. Like, she pulled it from her head. Like, right out of her forehead. You shouldn't do that, because then you're going to release the pressure and it's going to piss blood. Just well, it was it. pouring blood. And her neighbor, like, left the room. She's the chick from your next. Yeah. She then went over to Shane. The boyfriend is laying on the ground crying. She squeezed his hand. And as she did that, the neighbor, Lawrence, returned with another loaded crossbow bolt. Oh, she no. She threw herself at him. Like, she jumped at him. He straddled her on the floor. He got her on, he got her, on her back, straddled her, took the point of the crossbow bolt, and, and started, like, pushing it into her neck, into her larynx. Doctors said the wound was so deep you could see her voice box. Nolly. Yet the five-foot-two-inch mo- mother, five-foot-two, shoved Lawrence off of her, pinned him down, screaming for her boyfriend, like, you have to help me. He said, I can't. And he just <laughs> sat there crying. Useless. Leave him. Utterly useless. Why would <laughs> she breed him. with this guy? My God. So she has a gaping wound in her throat. She has And a, her forehead. And her forehead. She has a, you like, maybe could see her brains. <laughs> and she's beating off this man in the worst way possible. She's a five foot she two inch lady. She's like a, you know, a diminutive figure fighting like a yeah. stocky, you know, man. She's at um, my height. You do not fuck with novel women, man. Like, Why would she breed with this guy? Like, this guy's genetic material needs to die out. I think she's probably realized that now. Well, he pushed uh, the pregnant woman off of her, and he ran from the room. Shane, the boyfriend, said, you need to get help. If you don't go and keep you and the baby safe, I'll never forgive you. Oh, okay. Is that kind of dark? Like, what a weird thing to say. Like, why not, hey, are you okay? Let's get some help. Call 999. Yeah. Yeah, she said, I can just remember him crying. He was gasping for breath. He looked at me, really looked at me, like the look someone gives you when they're going away for a long time. And he whispered in like a raspy voice, be strong, I love you. And those were the last words that Shane ever said to Laura. I would have omitted the fact he was crying. I would have like kept that between us so it made him look a bit tougher. Well, I think it's just very cliche. Would you be strong? I love you. Like if it was me, I'd have thrown okay. out something just really random and kind of confusing yet memorable. Like I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> I'd you have know? been like, and the treasure is buried at. And just yeah, and just die. And just die. Um, she was shaking with fear, barely able to see because there's just blood gushing out of the head wound. She ran downstairs. Um, and then ran next door to her neighbors. The neighbors thought she'd been in a car crash because like her injuries were that bad. Meanwhile, Shane managed to make it all the way downstairs and call 999. 
Okay, so he's not like totally useless after all then. What the fuck? His wife's being attacked. She's got a fucking head wound. She's got the voice box showing. He can't get up and do it. That, But he managed to get all the way downstairs. To be fair to uh, Shane, she does have the strength of two people right now, whereas he's only just one man. Baby strength doesn't count. <laughs> See, she's got another person inside of her. It's baby strength. They do say that like pregnant women get like that special extra adrenaline like primal, as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's you know, totally primal. But I mean, the wife was like laying on her back, his pregnant wife, pregnant with his seed, while this man was shoving a crossbow bolt through her larynx. And he couldn't get his ass up to try to like stop you know the what? guy. I'm not judging because especially in shock, you do weird things when you go into shock and everyone acts differently in shock. So you can't be judging him for not being able to do something where she's like super powerful and she like reacts to her adrenaline. He obviously doesn't. No, he's a wuss. Probably he's a listens wuss, to mate. Oasis. He's a northern pansy. Um, at the at the inquest in Hull, I guess uh, they played the the tape with the nine 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 operator, and he said, "I love my children. Oh my God, I really, really want this baby. I really wanted it. I feel like I'm fading. I've lost so much blood." Once again, he missed a golden opportunity to say something random, confusing yet memorable. I would have been like. Goonies never say die. It oh, just that's died. a classic. You know, that would have been yeah. good. Because you'd be like, the guy just said something totally random. Remember you know what I would have said? I would have gone, Rufy, oh! <laughs> Once again, yeah. A hook Last reference. No, no one ever would have known that. Yeah. Yeah, Rufy, I was so cool as well. But you'd remember like, that. Yeah. Thing, you know? um, yeah. Lawrence fled, the neighbor. And uh, he was found dead from an overdose of painkillers in a camper van two days later. Oh, wow. Yeah. Laura, fucking badass, northern bird, uh, said she's relieved he's dead, added, I only wish I'd killed him myself. Yes. What a thing to say. I love her. She's awesome. Uh, Despite her grief, Laura knows Shane would have wanted her to be happy, and so she's been dating someone else here on and off for a year. But she adds, sadly, it's hard for him because I'm still in love with Shane. Oh, yeah, I bet. That, but that's got to suck, though. I mean, to be the new boyfriend and she's still in love with her beta cuck dead husband. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. He should just realize that he's just there to provide her with, like, you know, um, to warm her bed, basically. Yeah, that's but what if, if, if it was me, I'd be bringing up points why the husband's a beta cuck. It's like, hey, remember <laughs> when you were getting the crossbow bolt shoved through your fucking throat? What was he doing? Crying, crying over there. Okay, do you, do you remember this? Should I bring it up again? Like we talk about it, because I would don't have been doing me, that. Don't see me crying, <laughs> do you? No, you know I'd have been kicking some fucking ass. Does um, what did she name the baby? Does it say? Uh, no, it doesn't. I wonder if, if she's named, named that Shane, baby. I would have been so pissed. I would also be pissed if she's named the baby something like hope or destiny because she survived. Well, That's also names. shit. Yeah, one of them. She said, uh, we were madly in love. We worked at the same place. We're hardly ever apart. The honeymoon, the honeymoon period never actually went away. Would you still be able to work at that job? And what? Just think about how Jim first walked into the office and how I fell in love with him. Love Pam. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, why would you give up the job if you enjoyed it? Yeah, because but I mean, just memories. because of the memory, you know? It's like, do you think Jim... Memories. if? Pam was murdered in such a horrific fashion. Do you think Jim would have kept working there or vice versa? 
Um, not vice versa, because Pam is actually really evil on The Office, and Jim is lovely. I think Jim would have quit, but Pam would stay working there. Uh, Laura is now calling for tougher regulations on the sale of crossbows. She said in this, uh, to acquire a shotgun in the UK, you need a license. And if there's any sign of mental health issues, you can't buy one. Well, they certainly don't do that here. Um, she said, yeah, you can go on eBay and buy a crossbow right now. They are lethal medieval weapons. And Shane's death is an example of what can happen if they fall in the hands of an angry person. You know, it made me think it's like you guys can't go get guns at like a local gun show or a Walmart. So you guys have to go the medieval route. So I think cool. it's kind of cool in a sense. Like go get a Morningstar or a Halberd. Wait, wait, know? wait. A mace. A mace. Yeah, oh, just go classic. A scythe or a scythe. You know, the body count might not be as high, but it's going to be cooler. It's way cooler. And plus, when you think about, you know, as you think about your mortality, you're like, I want to live a long and happy and healthy life and just die in my bed as an old person. You don't think, yeah, the, my crazy uh, stoner next door neighbor is going to come in Some with a crossbow. Swinging a star. Yeah. <laughs> or a scythe and just like kill me. That's And that's how I'll die. Yeah, in Britain, there's no license or registration to, to own a crossbow. Um, the Shadow Home Secretary. Well, I don't even know what that is, but that's a great title. The Shadow yes. Home Secretary is one of the shadow people. Nick Thomas Simmons <laughs> has vowed to do everything possible to help Laura bring about change to regulate the ownership of crossbows. So uh, the moral of the story is go get your crossbow right now, okay? Because you're about to, it's going to be very difficult in about two months. Like I need another excuse to be on eBay. Like I need one. Goonies never say die. <laughs> what do you have here for the second story? Okay, so for the second story, I have Cannibal Son cut mum into pieces and he shared them with the family dog. <laughs> I love that song in the 90s. <laughs> Papa Roach, yo, suffocation, no breathing. I used it's to a be, classic. Yeah, it's such a classic. Back when it's I had dreads, wrong. baggy oh, jeans. Yeah, I used to have the baggy cards that would get, when it was raining outside, that would soak up all the water off the streets. Did you have them too? No. Thankfully, to be honest, thankfully, I was I was too old for that abysmal genre of music of the late 90s. <laughs> New metal. Yeah, that, yes. I, that was, I hated it from day one. I was just like, what the kids are listening to these days. I was, That's yeah, that, I never was a part of that music. I'm glad it didn't last. Let's put oh, it that I'm way. I'm glad it died. And it, it was short-lived, too, thankfully. Very short-lived when you think about yeah. it. Just a couple of years. So, a cannibal, I love cannibal stories. A cannibal's son is accused of cutting his mum into a thousand pieces, then stashing them in lunchboxes and uh, sharing them with his dog. Now, I did try to find the breed and name of the dog, but it didn't come up, so I'm just assuming it's a gorgeous street mutt. That's why we're going to go with the know. dog. Well, he's a very so, uh, generous man. I mean, at least he's feeding the dog, providing. Yeah, you know, that's what you always do with your doggy. You share what you eat with them. It's like, it's a bonding experience for you both. Alberto Sanchez Gomez, 28. He's facing more than 15 years in prison if found guilty of killing Maria Soledad Gomez, 68, and dismembering her after a, a row. He had a little bit of a fight here. A fight so with he's, mummy. He had a fight with his mummy. He's a, a not working waiter at the minute because of the COVID. He was arrested at the flat he shared with his mother. 
And he told them when he was arrested that he had been eating her bit by bit with his pet dog over a fortnight. Do you think it was like chorizo? Oh, we <laughs> can get into me, this. One for you, one for, you. One for me. <laughs> we can get into this argument as, as well because like people say like if the, what, the white way to say chorizo, that's the white way, but is it supposed to be chorizo? Uh, or is uh, it, am I saying it people right? People here pronounce it chorizo chorizo that was when i first turned vegetarian that was like the thing i thought i was going to miss the most you can get that true joe's vegetarian chorizo yeah it's not the same it's just not the same it's so flavorful and like oily and delicious and pork right is it pork yeah it's like garlic pork that's been smoked it's just um it's delightful food of the white devil So they found, they found a poor Maria. Um, you've got to see her. Her remains are in Tupperware containers in the fridge. He had kept bones in the drawers around the family home. So maybe he was going to make up a stock or something. <laughs> and this is in, um, this is in Madrid. And their home is near the, uh, the famous La Ventus Bullring, which we won't get into that now. But local reports did say that her body had been cut up into more than a thousand tiny pieces. And at the start of his trial, he admitted that he had heard hidden messages when he watched TV and voices telling him to kill your mum, just kill her. You don't need her around. Kill her and then chop her up into a thousand tiny pieces. So he was schizophrenic. I think so. Or he could just be a liar. <laughs> As they are, he did say that. A thousand pieces, though. You gotta have like a Ginsu knife or something for that. Yeah, you've got to have some like um, OCD determination. Yeah, and and did the cops count all the pieces? Like, how would they know? Oh, that would take ages. Imagine if that was your job on the force that day. You'd be like, why the fuck did I ever become a police? A chorizo eating police. Why did I do this? Um, I would would keep yelling numbers like 32, 33, 85, 76. That fucking prick, would you? Did that dickhead. Six hundred and thirty-two. It's like fuck you. He, he said that the voices that he heard were those of his neighbors, acquaintances, and celebrities. I personally think hearing a celebrity would be pretty cool. It'd be a bit like being um Clarence on True Romance, having Elvis come and speak to you. Oh yeah, that would be kind of cool. He, I wonder, did, he, did they say which celebrity? No, I didn't. I did try to look. But like, no. do you never do the thing where you pretend that you're on like? Sometimes I pretend I pretend I'm on Parkinson, and Parkinson's interviewing me. Do you ever do stuff like that where you pretend you're being interviewed? In your no, head? but sometimes I hear the voice of Ron Jeremy in my head, it's telling me to what take advantage of girls. Just I don't know, just weird things, things like what I should be eating and uh, your cock. The type of eat your own cock. <laughs> eat your own, eat your own cock and take advantage of girls, and you two can end up in jail just like me. Just telling me how to get laid. I don't listen. So this unemployed waiter who has been arrested, he insisted he didn't remember cutting up his mummy, and he insisted he didn't remember eating her remains, even though he'd been doing it for two weeks, and it was only. A worried friend who hadn't seen his mum for a month. She's the one who raised the alarm. So not even the tenants in the building could smell the bones in his drawers. Imagine going around to his house and he's like, he's just got a drawer f- full of boners. Yeah, but it's got, it's not boners. Literally. But I mean... he, he, that's the way I would do it. I'd be like, do you want to see my boners? And then it would be like, it's my mum. <laughs> but I mean, it's got a smell though, right? It's like decomposing flesh. Well, 
he's putting them in Tupperware boxes and putting them in the fridge. Oh, yeah, and I guess, like, I mean, he must be cleaning the meat off the bones. Do you think he was boiling the bones? Yeah, I think he was going to make, like, some tasty stock and have himself... Because that's what you need for paella. You need a really good stock. So was he cooking the meat before he ate it, or was he eating it just raw? I think no one will ever truly know. But uh, in my mind, you're going to fry it up. I love when cannibals, you know eat the flesh but then cook it and have their family or other loved ones yeah. eat the flesh too well he's inviting his family to eat this flesh because the dog the dog I'm is a member of your family dog, yeah. was there the a father like... like did he already eat the father no the daddy's long gone yeah. not surprised so, when the uh the tapas eating cops went to the door of his apartment uh they were asking him about where's his mom and he just went yeah yeah mambo me is in here and she's dead Oh, he didn't and... just start rubbing his belly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he let them into his home to have a little nosy about as the police do, he said, uh, me and the dog have been eating her bit by bit. <laughs> I had a dog growing up and so did you. Did you ever used to do that thing where you put like a chip in your mouth and then let the dog eat it out of your mouth? Yeah, my, my dog, because he's a big German Shepherd, he would never even touch your lips. Yeah, my dog was um, a Springer Spaniel, so he was very delicate. He wouldn't snap you or anything. He's very cute. Did you ever have one of those dogs? I've had the Springer Spaniels can do, do that. Well, Golden Retrievers, too. Where they put the treat on the dog's nose, and the dog just flips it up and catches it. Yeah. My yeah, dog he would do, do that. that. But I was, I was always impressed when I saw yeah, that. Yeah, he could do that. He was quite um, – he wasn't a greedy dog, but he was – and I used to do things where, like, I know you shouldn't give your dogs chocolate, but this is me as a child, as a 10-year-old. Over here, we have a chocolate called Rolos, and you're supposed to save the last one for the person you love. Whenever I had Rolos, I would always save the last one to give to my dog. Oh. Isn't that nice. romantic? Did, can, can it kill the dog like chocolate? Doesn't it kill the dog? Chocolate like that won't kill a dog. Real yeah. chocolate will kill a dog. It's shitty chocolate. So what he had been doing when the police went to his flat on February the 21st. Last year, which is also February the 21st, is the greatest day of the year. The, the accused, he had transferred his mum's body to the bedroom and he had put her on the bed with the aim of making her body disappear. And to do that, he cut her up using a carpenter's saw and two kitchen knives. Once he had... Yeah, just regular well, old kitchen knives. Saw, you could definitely cut someone into many different pieces. Yeah, because they're quite delicate saws, aren't they? Yeah. Well, so I mean, you can he... just, it's all automatic. You're not like sitting there sawing through it. Oh, you saw. mean like an, uh, oh, see, in my mind, I thought it'd be one for like making decorative artwork in your wood. <laughs> I'm <laughs> picturing like an industrial strength like carpenter's side. You can really get some chopping going on there. That's what he must have done. Once he had cut up her body, he would eat bits of it from time to time over a period of around a fortnight, putting some of her body parts in Tupperware containers around the apartment and the fridge and throwing others away in plastic bags. So that's what he How long would it take to eat your mom? Depends how big your mom is. My mom is pretty big. It would take me a a long time. I'd be so grossed out eating my mother. I don't want to eat my mother. Yeah, no. Like, of all the people to eat, no. I draw the line. The dog wouldn't mind, though. That just shows you right there. You know when people always say, like, if you died, your dog would be loyal and just sit right next to you, but your cat will eat you? That's some bullshit. Your dog's going to fucking eat your flesh. It's a fucking dog. It's true. So he's going to get a 15-year 
five month prison sentence, which seems a bit low for a cannibal. I think he it'd be maybe into mom. the twenties. Yeah, you think it'd be a little more than that, but okay. Uh, prosecutors are also seeking to get him a, a ninety thousand euro fine for his brother because that's for his mum's loss, which is something they must do in Spain if he's found guilty of homicide and desecrating a corpse. So he's not being done with cannibalism. He's just being done with desecrating a corpse. Oh, here you go. This is where he's dead. What about murder? Daddy, Didn't he murder her? Well, they can't prove that, though, can they? I guess because he's eaten half the evidence. She's been chopped into pieces. This is it. His cabinet maker father, he did, sorry, he didn't just run off. He was dead. He died when oh. he was 15. Um, uh, neighbors are believed to have told investigators that they often heard raised voices coming from the flat and they would frequently, frequently see police and paramedics there. In letters he has written from prison, which have been published, Alberto said, I can't stop thinking about what happened. I've been ill for a long time and I've taken refuge in drugs. I've been hearing voices for a long time and having hallucinations. All of this has led me to the worst thing that's happened in my life. I have reached my last resort. Whoa. Isn't, isn't that a Pop Roach song? That's, that's the song, right? Last that's resort? the song. Isn't there I a song called Last Resort? Yes, D. That, I made it up. It's a joke oh, that has okay, landed right, terribly. Right. I was hoping it was yeah. part of it because I was thinking, <laughs> then he's a, like, that's probably what made him schizophrenic is his uh, you know lifelong love of new metal. New metal of, yeah, Papa Roach and their one song. That's what, that's what that's what happens. That's the takeaway, that people. PRS. Steer clear mm-hmm. of that wretched music. It's the devil's music. Uh, send your story to podcast gmail.com. We have some phone calls coming up next, 323-522-4032. But first, here's a little word from Adam and Eve. It's Butt Plug Month on adamandeve.com. Show that you still care by bringing something new into the bedroom. And by something new, I mean a butt plug. Because if you order right now and use coupon code DIDDLE, you get 50% off your first item, a gift so sensual I can't even tell you about it on this podcast that talks about murder and bukkake, and on top of all of that, free shipping. Support Sick and Wrong by supporting our sponsor, adamandeve.com, and making a purchase with coupon code DIDDLE. That's D-I-D-D-L-E. We've got a few phone calls to get to. 323-522-4032 is the number of the sick and wrong drunk dial line. You don't have to be drunk to call it. You can be high. Either one it works. Helps. Yeah. It helps. Helps uh, ease the uh, you know the nerves. Um, I don't know if this first guy was drunk or high when he called. I think he was just having a bit of nostalgia. Oh. Here's Gino with another uh, ma'am story. Oh yeah, Dean Kerr, it's uh, Gino again uh, with another man's story. Uh, this was about the time that I was probably a couple of years older than last time, probably about 16 or something. And uh, my brother, I had a lot of twatty mates, uh, as you can see <laughs> from my previous things. My relationship with my brother was quite contentious, I'm sure Kate can identify with that. Um, and uh, your brother's twats, Kate. You have, you have two, right? I do have two brothers. Twats. Uh, older ones are twat. The the younger ones are okay, but <laughs> don't speak to either. <laughs> God, yeah, you're familiar with relations. Like, there should be like a psychoanalytical study on that. Well, my older brother's a bully. I haven't talked to him like since I was fifteen, and like. 
he had a baby this year and I have whatever. Are you, are you met the baby or like, do you know if it's a boy or a girl? I will never meet this baby. It's a boy, but I don't give a shit. You didn't even like call and say, hey, uh, you know, <laughs> no. congratulations, you know, on your, your kid. Oh, well, congratulations for doing what fucking loads of people can do. You spunked in your girlfriend. Oh, it's your well fucking, fucking done. niece or nephew. You don't even care to meet I'll never meet. I'm never going to meet this child. <laughs> I, hope this my kid, I hope this kid seeks you out like later in life. And I'll be like, yeah, um, your dad is a prick. Yeah, um, no, I, mean, so I wonder if you like. This child will commiserate with you, like, I fucking hate my dad. Oh, in which case, we'll go to the pub and have a right good time together. My younger brother I haven't talked to in, like, since my dad died, like, nine, ten years. I heard because I he just this fucked evil off. witch for an aunt. He just fucked <laughs> off to Australia, and he didn't speak to any of us, like, ever again. He speaks to my mum, but that's it. It's a bizarre family. A very bizarre family. Very One of his bizarre. mates, I was playing football in the back... Uh, Yard and uh, one of his mates threw my football into this like uh, wooded area that was at the back. So I went in and got it, but unfortunately there was like a broken bottle and uh, I stood on it and it like the top of it, the sharp bit went straight into my heel. Still got the scar now. Uh, so I came out of this Brutal. screaming, the fucking bottle hanging out my foot, blood pissing out everywhere. So. Um, I think my mate managed to get me into the room, uh, front room. Mum was there, and we had an Atari 2600 at the time, um, one of the old cartridge things. And nice. she was playing, she was addicted to Pac-Man. So she was playing <laughs> Pac-Man, and I was like, suddenly come in, and she's like, what the fucking hell's Great going game. on? And I was pissing blood everywhere. I was like, oh, God, I've, I've got a hole in my foot. I'm going to have to go to hospital. And she was like, oh, but I'm playing Pac-Man. <laughs> I was like, but, but I'm bleeding. Oh, I'll finish this game. Right, so... Uh, She's the best mom ever. I wow. love Gino's mom. Like, yeah, <laughs> just, that would totally be me. I'd be like, no, I'm playing Red Dead. Leave me alone. Yeah, but but you know what's nice about it? She doesn't pamper the kids. You know, they grow up being tough. Yeah, like you're going to have a tough Sue. northern mom. You're going to be a tough northern boy. I'm sort of like not right in the head at that time from blood loss and stuff. And I was sort of waiting there and she was playing Pac-Man and I sort of like felt myself pass out a little bit and I kind of woke up and then noticed that she had a lower score than she did the, like when I was conscious and she'd, uh, she died and restarted the game. <laughs> <laughs> and all this time I'm bleeding. <laughs> anyway, eventually she bleeding did take out. me to hospital. Fair play to her, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually. Well, that was kind of what my childhood was like. Okay, take it easy. <laughs> it's it's got to be comforting. I imagine like after years of therapy, you like come to terms with like, yeah, I just wasn't as important as the Atari. I wonder if like um if Gino, I wonder if he hears like the Pac-Man music, does it like trigger him? <laughs> does he get PTS yeah, what... PTS Pac-Man? <laughs> what was your brother's name? Like Blinky? What was the other one? What was the other ghost names? I remember Blinky was a red one. Oh my god, I can't even tell you the names of the ghosts. I was I just thinking, were one. you, were you going to start referring to Mrs. Pac-Man then? Remember when she existed? You know, a quick Pac-Man story. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm fucking good at Pac-Man. Like those, but, you know, a lot of people say yeah. like, OD, like, you know, doesn't know anything about video games. 
I don't I don't know much about contemporary video games. I haven't had a video game system in a while. Nothing wrong with video games. I love going to my brother's house and seeing all the new games. But I was good at like older games. Like that's when I was really playing games and like practicing all that. Yeah, but, in your childhood. Yeah, we, well, not only that, like we had an Atari and everything. But when I was working as a strip club DJ in North Beach, and people from San Francisco might remember this, there was an arcade, like an old school arcade that used to be on North Beach. I think now it's some shitty bar. Um, but there was like an old arcade there that was a little, ex- little expensive, to be honest. It's like Chinese-run arcade that definitely charged a little bit too much for their games. But there's an old Chinese man there that would play Pac-Man, Miss Pac, Miss Pac-Man. Um, oh, and it was okay. like, and it was a good Miss Pac-Man. It was like, because sometimes you'll play a Miss Pac-Man and it's super slow, like the Pac-Man slow. But a good one where she's like lightning fast. And this like older Chinese man, he probably was in his 80s, would just kind of lean back and just play it with just wrist motions. And so I would go in there and I'd watch him like on my lunch break. Cause I had like, you know, like a half an hour to kill. And uh, one, one day he was just like, oh, you want to play? And I was just like, all right. And we, and we played and he taught me the technique. So I'm fucking good at Miss Pac-Man. This is like Karate Kids. Yeah. But, He's my Mr. But, Miyagi. But for Pac-Man. So you're telling me that an old Chinese man that you met in an arcade taught you a wrist technique well it's, you, you're, per, you're perverting it on purpose that Kate. is what it boils down to you're an perverting old chinese this on purpose. man taught you on your dinner break from a strip club taught you a wrist technique i gave him uh like free like mem- like uh free access cards like you can get into roaring 20s for free like little deja with like an extra like with a lap dance because i had like all these cards did you run back in and show all the strippers going, I got a new wrist technique, girls. You want to see? <laughs> no, I'm just, what I'm saying is I'm fucking good at Miss Pac-Man because I learned from an old Chinese man. Does it all right? specifically wax on, have, wax off. Does it specifically have to be Miss Pac-Man? Miss like Pac-Man. If Pac-Man. Yeah, if you, you can, just can't play regular boy Pac-Man. Or it's Pac-Man Jr., it's Miss Pac-Man. That's the only one I can play. And it's got to be so the stand-up Pac-Man arcade. Jr.? Not like a sit-down one at the tabletop sit-down. Stand-up arcade. Miss Pac-Man, I'll play it for like this dude. Not even shitting you. He flipped it. You ever see that? You ever see that yeah. happen? Where the score yeah, got so I've, high that you flipped it I've and went heard, back to zero. But I've never seen in real life. But I've heard of the legend of. He was a master game. of Pac-Man. My was game was always game. Streets of Rage on the uh, the Mega Drive, or as you guys call it, the Genesis. And I always always played as the hooker as the whore which says a lot about me now yeah, i'm not always surprised. her she had the coolest <laughs> outfit it was all red leather thigh high boots a red miniskirt and like a red boob tube she was so cool she had a great name technique. is but i remember there was like axel he was cool it was a great game i could oh, finish that's it good. that's why that's i loved good. it well, well gino uh you know i'd like to know about uh your relationship with your ma'am now um, that'd be like, are you, do you guys talk about some of these, uh, you know, negligent well, moments? He buys, of your a, youth? he buys a dildos. Dildos? Wait, he's. Yeah, a... I remember. That was one of his first calls where he said that in, they were in Blackpool together and he oh, bought yeah. his mom a vibrator. Oh, yeah. It was a joke. They have a fucking great relationship. Do you know why? Because they're both good eggs. That's why. Well, you know, but the thing is, like, with tough love like this, you know, making your kid wait while he's bleeding out. He's not going to be like sitting there crying while some maniac is shoving a crossbow bolt through your wife's throat. 
That is very true. Yeah. I had a, I also had another friend who remember when World of Warcraft first came out. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, when yeah, everyone, yeah, yeah I had somebody who, it. yeah, who basically abandoned her children for four years to, <laughs> to, play, to play World Warcraft. of Warcraft. I'm glad she's pretty. Yeah, I'm doing really well in the game. That means I'm doing well at life. That was her. <laughs> All right, well, thanks, Gino. Always love the ma'am stories. Um, yes. Even though this is a little, like, uh, I guess a little day late down the short kind of, but a nurse is calling in about the foreskin debate. Oh. Um, hi, Dee. Hi, hi Kate. Um, Long-time listener, first-time caller. Nice. Uh, I was in healthcare. Uh, I was a PSW, then a nurse, and... Uh, I just want to weigh in on this whole circumcision thing. Sure, I agree. You're born with what you got, so just enjoy it. But when you get older and you're reliant on people that don't exactly know what to do with the dick, uh, having a foreskin is really bad. Like, uh, if you pull it back and you clean it because that's your job and you forget to pull it forward again. That's your job. I can see what you say. In America, this will definitely be an issue. Yeah, but it won't could be you imagine here. if that's, that's your, your job? job. Like you're I've cleaning never... pensioners' foreskins. It disgusts me over here how you little parents get get paid. Well, do you know what? They don't get paid enough, and they don't literally clean get foreskins. paid enough. The yeah, these people are just like regular people, like you and me, and they're getting paid like sometimes just like average wage, like. That's wrong to me. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. No, that's, that's And it does take a, a certain special type of person, a special type of temperament to do it, because I couldn't do it. I no, just, I, like, there's no way. I would, there's no way I could peel back someone's foreskin. I don't like babies, it. and I also don't like old people. They freak me out. If I was to see, like, an old person naked, I think I would, like, be, like, Ace Ventura crying in the corner. You know how they say, and this nurse could probably answer this for me, Men's scrotums like grow long as they get older. Does the same thing happen to the foreskin? Like, does it keep growing like into a trunk? Does the same happen to vaginas as well? Is it just gravity sucking it all? Like vagina I don't lips. Know if your labia do they just get like longer? Flapping? I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. Do your flaps get longer? They must do. Yeah, but like your scrot keeps growing. So I wonder if the same thing happens to your foreskin. Yeah. It can swell yeah. up and turn into like a little flesh cock ring, like right under the meatus. So it's meatus. really painful and it's really disturbing. And so personally, I think if I ever were to have a little boy, I would have that baby circumcised. And for the record, uh, for personal use, like out of work use, I would say circumcised is the way to go. It's just prettier, cleaner, but I enjoy it. But how if uh, somebody I like has a foreskin, then cool. We can keep going. It's not a it's not a deal breaker. It's still yeah pretty and nice. So yeah, have a great day, guys. Bye. Hmm. I appreciate the feedback there, and yeah, I gotta say I I kind of agree with her. I think in America, definitely that wouldn't be an issue over here because we're all about aesthetics. We're very shallow people. Very pretty. I mean, like a cock is a cock, in it, mate. They all kind of, they all just look like sleepy sausages. At the words end of the day. that Kate lives by: a cock's a cock. Who cares? At the end of the day. End of the day. 
<laughs> it's going to go in one of my holes. I don't really care. It's true. <laughs> I didn't even know about that. So is she saying when she's like bathing these old men and she peels back their foreskins, if she forgets to flip it back over, it gets like, like, a, like a meaty, like a, like a flesh cock ring. Yeah, it will dry out. It will probably be really painful. And they're probably like, you know, have dementia or something, so they can't even say anything about it. Next thing you know, they got to shout their conks off. You know that, you know, in the film Bohotep with Bruce Campbell, mm -hmm. where he's Elvis. You remember that scene where he's... The foreskin he washing? Getting, he starts getting a bit of a chubby for her. You remember it? You don't remember it? Because he can't no, get... He's got... He's got ED. Wait, wait, wait. I do kind of remember that now. And then yeah. he gets he gets a chubby on. And she's looking at him going, ooh. I was like, I bet that's what it's like. When, <laughs> he, like, at what point do, do the chubbies stop? At what point do men, like, stop getting erections? You know, I don't know if they do. Like, I've had, I've dated a couple of girls that, uh, that have worked at, like, old age homes. And they said that yeah. they, when they bathe... You know the uh, the men, even when they're like you know the demented men's. and they're like ninety years old, they'll get like a full on boner and just like be but, laughing. Yeah, but is that like I mean a boner that they could use and not just like a reactionary boner? Like could they? I, shag I think it's involuntary. Well, maybe I don't know. Why are you gonna? Test you remember it they out? were saying that the second the people who all get the chlamydia are in their twenties, and then the second group of people who all get the chlamydia are in their seventies because they all be boning each other. Well, I think a lot of that has to do with like the Ed's meds, like the you know Viagra and stuff and like the, that. Yes, the and people. the Ed's meds. Uh, That's true. Good for them. Well, thank Good you call. there, uh, nurse. Appreciate the call. Nurse um, foreskin. Nurse foreskin. <laughs> Calling in. <laughs> uh, final call here is Adam from Tokyo. Oh, nice. Hello, chicken wrong. This is Kate's cum towel. No, <laughs> this isn't Kate's cum towel. This is Adam calling from... Uh, That's exactly what I picture your cum towel to sound like. You know what? I might go and show everyone what it looks like at the end of this. <laughs> yeah, people that are on the live stream, you might get to see Kate's cum towel. I want to show you my cum... It's clean. It's, <laughs> it's like stiff as a it. board. But that is totally what it would sound like. As soon as I like open up the casket and drag it out, it goes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like British tally, but just like stiff yeah. from all the cum. Yeah, like a witch. <laughs> uh, Tokyo. Hey guys, thanks for uh, some love. I heard my name mentioned a few times, and it always makes me happy. Um, you know, I feel like I don't have to call you guys when I'm drunk, but it is more fun to call you when I'm drunk. Or whatever I reason. More so, inspired. You know, I try to think of sick and wrong stories to tell you, but, you know, some of my life is, like, making out with hot chicks and eating really good food. So, you know, it's not all sick and wrong. So you kind of think back, like, oh, what was, like, some of the really worst times? And, like, I, you know, I'm in Japan for, like, almost two decades. And I love Japan. It's great. You know, I have some fucked up stories here. You know, I'll tell you them here and there, but... You know, I'm from East Vancouver, and East Vancouver is kind of like uh, the Tenderloin. I think Dean. We're just talking about this. I didn't there even, you know, go. I didn't really listen. I didn't even. I just kind of picked this song or this uh, call out randomly, but it's totally uh, apropos. So Adam, if he's been in for two decades, was he there during the Lucy Blackman murder? 
Oh no, maybe not because she was in the nineties. Because it would have been cool if he was around for that. Because a white. Well, he might have been. White... I mean, it's been almost two decades. I mean, she was she was murdered in nineteen ninety five, but a lot of white people were kind of vilified in Japan for quite a while because of that. Oh, I don't. That. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. About that, and you know, yeah, I guess it's like it kind of goes. I think Skid Row in L.A. and the Tenderloin and East Vancouver are some of, like, the poorest area codes in all of North America. And just, like, you know, <laughs> I was thinking about what the, the emblem is. is like a, a turd filled with heroin needles. <laughs> like, so many times <laughs> in tenderloin. East Vancouver, I just, like, come across, like, a turd filled with heroin needles. <laughs> or, like, I remember one time I, I walked it's in like on, a, uh, like, a a hobo gangbang, I guess. I don't even know. I walked into some, oh. you know, alley to go spray paint or whatever. Like it on it was like, not an alley, like a clearing, and there was like maybe seven dirt hobos, like fucking some chicken. And I didn't get to see too much detail. I kind of walked in. Everyone was putting away their private parts as I walked in, but it was kind of horrifying. Obviously, I remember in the Tenderloin, uh, I was walking like. My building, it was the building I had that had bed bugs, like over in uh, Larkin. Um, I was walking, you had to like go in the basement and throw your garbage out in the in the uh, bin. And so I was like bringing my garbage downstairs. I only lived on like the second floor. And so I was bringing my garbage downstairs and there was this like hobo, like sodomizing another hobo. And the the one, he was like sitting there smoking crack. Like he was a white hobo that was getting sodomized by a black hobo. And he was just sitting there smoking crack, and the dude just like sitting there, just fucking him right against the dumpster. And I was like walking back with my garbage can, my garbage bag, and I'm sitting there looking at him. And the guy's just like, "What the fuck you looking at?" And I was like, "Nothing." I just, <laughs> just kind of left my garbage bag just there, and I walked back upstairs. I would have been like, "I just wanted to put something in the bin." <laughs> <laughs> Why are you like this? <laughs> I mean, I've seen a million Johns and tricks together, which I imagine Dee's seen as well. Yeah. But, um, you know, I guess I was thinking about, okay, what's some sick shit I've seen in Japan? And, uh, one of my friends had a three piece, a three P, like a, he double teamed a chick with his brother. <laughs> I don't oh. have a brother, but to me, that's fucking horrifying. I don't know. Uh, I mean, Hugh, I'm sorry. D, of course, your brother's gay, so <laughs> you're not trying to uh, double-team anybody, but, I mean, what's your yeah, comments right. about that? Like, you know, could you double-team <laughs> double a woman with your brother? Like, how do you high-five your, your brother when you're doing the wobbly eight with some some random chick or whatever? Fucking weird. Anyways, guys, I love you so much, and, uh, you know, thank you, thank you for doing what you do, and uh, uh, peace out from fucking... Uh, D's poison t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good throwback. Thank yeah. you there, Adam, from Tokyo. You know, when I was in college, I uh, a couple guys, this is my freshman year, West Quad, Ann Arbor, Michigan. A couple guys lived down the hall. They're twins. I don't want to say their names, but uh, they're twin, twin brothers. They, like, shared clothing and everything. But they not only would double-team girls, and they've done it, they're actually, I mean, they ran, they like were in some frat or something. They're, they're kind of cool. I mean, whatever. Um, not only would they double team girls, kind of look like young Dolph Lundgrens. Two okay. young Dolph Lundgrens. Uh, but they also would switch off girlfriends. 
they're identical twins. Like it was hard oh. to tell them apart. And so when like one of them would start dating a girl, the other one would want to test her out. Oh my god, that's kind of gross. Yeah, I remember being like, dude, don't you guys have some kind of like weird Code. moral quandary about that? Like it's weird yeah. that you would be banging your. He's like, these are just girls we're fucking. That's it. Well, yeah, but then you're also kind of, you're then sticking your dick in it. So you're Eskimo bros, but you're also identical twins who are now Eskimo bros. Eskimo like, bro rapists? Uh, yeah, there's something like very <laughs> something rapey about rapey it. Though. about it. Totally. Okay. I used to hang out. Would you what be you upset though, if you were one of the, you're dating one of the Dolph Lundgrens and the other brother banged you and you found out about it like a year later, would you care? It'd be like such a weird thing because it's because you're not you're thinking it's someone else. So in a way, yeah, it's strange. Yeah, I'd be upset. But yeah, what you would get mad about, about it? it. Like, but I mean, would you break up with him if you found out about it? Oh, what if we were still together after? Yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, like you're in a year. But I mean, he, he, your brother banged you in the beginning of the relationship so he could test, you know, t- give you a test, test drive. Test out my pussy. So Just then a they test can drive. Talk about- Talk about my diamond level pussy together. Yeah, I'd be fucking angry. And it, I would dump them. But then as I was dumping them, I'd be like, oh, well, that was the best night of sex I've ever had. And it's always been downhill since then. Just to put that seed of doubt <laughs> in the other brother's mind. I used Salt to hang out game. with these two brothers. I was I was like 19 and he, the one brother, uh, Jimmy. He's like 18 and we were in a, a band together, which just means we used to hang out and get drunk and stoned. And he's, he was gay. So we just had tons of fun, but he had an older brother who was away at uni called Polly. And he used to come back every so often. And just, I would hook up with his brother sometimes, but what they used to do was they would kiss on the lips. And I mean, kiss on the lips. The two they would brothers. Have ling- yeah. And like, and Jimmy was gay. So it would be a bit like, only I knew at this time as well that he was gay because he—I was the first person he ever told. So I was like, "Oh With shit!" With tongue, just a long, lingering kiss. But they would do it in front of strangers in bars because people would be like, "Oh, you two are very friendly together." What's? <laughs> uh, and they would just kiss each other. And it got to the point where somebody made a complaint about them and it came out that they were brothers and the fucking police and social services came around, so they had to stop doing it. Were they just doing it just to, like, troll people? And kind people of, out? yeah. That was definitely the older brother. Uh, the older brother's, like, MO in life was to just troll people and to cause upset no matter where he went. Did but you? Young... Did you think it was weird or were you just like... Whatever. I thought it was weird because at the time I was the only person who knew that uh, Jimmy was gay. So I, bit, I, I was like, all right, I can so, see why like Paulie's doing it because he's a bit of a cunt and it's like a cunty kind of thing to do. But yeah, but Jimmy, but if he wasn't gay, you wouldn't brother, think it was weird. I'd just be like, it's a cunty thing to do. Like it's, it's like Angelina Jolie. Th- yeah, it's kind of kissing just a her weird brother. Thing. It's fucking. It's like it's just. Ugh. But it's not like, you know, it's not oh, like they were banging it. each other. But because he's gay and he's kissing his brother. How do you know they were banging? It's like banging? an extra, it's an extra level, isn't it? And then I got really drunk one night and I said, I let slip that he was gay. I do feel bad about it in in front of Polly. And then it all came out in the family. And the, yeah, I kind of got ousted for being the friend. Well, you outed he, him to his family. I outed him accidentally, but I did it in a really nice way. But then they never talked to me ever again. 
<laughs> do they, wait, do you ever have you ever seen them on like Facebook or something? Um, no, but I don't seek them out. Like whatever it was. Those guys totally blew happens. each other, guaranteed. Do you reckon? And that's why the police came around. Yeah, I guarantee they did. If you're making out, like making, like, they're making out. They're not just like giving each other a peck, which is still weird. That's weird, but they're like giving a long, lingering kiss. Lingering. They're making out. That's like. I don't know, two steps removed from like sticking their dicks in each other's mouths. It's two steps removed from docking, which is what happens. You could have been wobbly aged. I could have been what? You missed out on a great opportunity to get wobbly aged. Is that when two brothers fuck you? No, it's when two dudes fuck a woman and it forms like an H, a wobbly H. <laughs> get it? Like you're in the middle. You got like, you know. Do I have to explain this further or, do you, or are you getting this? <laughs> no, the graphics are very good. Got my hands up, like making the motion. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see now. I see what you mean. Anyway, Adam from Tokyo, always good to hear from you, man. Hope you're doing well. Oh, man, well. he's a great guy. Yeah. He's, now, he's awesome. Like I was, uh, next time I go to Japan, totally hanging out with that guy again. I'm going to Japan just to see Adam. People, uh, call the Sick Hotline 323 522 4032. Uh, we got a Reddit page. I'm sure you know because we talk about it every week, but it's a pretty cool page. There's a lot of. Uh, Weird memes that got Walden Scott. You did you make like a subreddit or something for him? I made like user flair just for Reddit, uh, just for Walden because he's always oh, okay. making fire memes and he's made a lot. So I did that and then I went through all his posts and I've put them all in that. So if you want to find Walden's memes, he's got his own post flair now. Well done, Walden. I posted a link today to this change.org petition I made. Oh, this. Yeah, well, it's funny because I'm sitting there, sure, a little hungover, kind of high. And uh, I saw that everybody's got this fucking boner to get LeVar Burton on Jeopardy as the next host. And so some guy made a change.org petition and there's like hundreds of thousands of signatures. So I was like, fuck LeVar Burton. Let's get Beetlejuice from the Howard Stern show. You know, the, the microcephalic... Rotundo from the Howard Stern Show. Let's get him to host Jeopardy because I would watch that. I would watch see, the fuck out of that show. As a British person, as a European person, I thought the joke was that Beetlejuice is dead and that's why he should host Jeopardy because Jeopardy is dead. I, I didn't get this joke. It landed flat over this side of the pond. I don't know. You're like taking it to another level. I was just like, I want a rotundo to host a shitty game show. I know you do. You <laughs> just want a rotundo. And it also helps that he's really short too. It's like oh, yeah. you have two holes. With, with a tiny rails. head. You look he's all a that. dwarf like, with microcephaly. It's hosting. your favorite thing. I would watch that show every day. So <laughs> it wouldn't be my favorite. Event. Anyway, we got to get 100 signatures. So go click on the link at the Reddit page, r slash Wrong Podcast, no spaces. And let's get Beetlejuice to host uh, fucking Jeopardy. Um, also, if you're a big fan of the show, if you like Sick and Wrong, you enjoy what we do, show us a little love because you'll get something in return. If you sign up for the Patreon, we're like, we're giving you all sorts of content. A lot of people are saying like, it's almost more fun to listen to Patreon content, which I take personal offense to, but at the same time, <laughs> it is, no, it's fun. We have fun on the Patreon. It's kind of like, you know, a little more yeah, relaxed. I love, I love know. the Patreon. Yeah, we, we get a little, we get a little wacky, uh, but for only five bucks a month, you get a story, you get some, uh, you get some phone calls this, this week. We did an old call that came in that I, that I forgot to play on the main show, but uh, the wad 
called in about how he stopped believing in Santa. And uh, it's a pretty funny story about what made him stop believing in Santa. But we were talking about it. I don't know if it was in the outtakes or if it was during this call. But I had sent the wad a brown dong, like dildo, from Adam and Eve because he sent a virgin story, like a virginity story. And Kate told me that he messaged you that he's giving the dong away. Yeah, the what's going to give it away. Dude, give it to your wife. Like, why, why wouldn't you want... Do you think he's jealous of the size of the dong? Um, I think the wad is on testosterone at the minute, and he can fulfill his wife. His wife doesn't need no dong. So the why best part you of the story the... is he said it, the dong looks exactly like his dong. It's just a different <laughs> color. <laughs> why don't, okay, wad, why don't you take that dong and give it to your uh, your uh, stepsister or whatever. Remember the fat stepsister that you lost your virginity to? She could probably use it. <gasps> She'd give it to his mother-in-law and say, a little piece of me. It'd be a memento, because she remembers yeah, you is. fondly. I think yes. I think that's what you should do. Wait till, wait till like, Christmas or whatever, Hanukkah or something. <laughs> uh, but I yeah, almost didn't play his call when it was just like, he's getting rid of my fucking dong. Are you so, upset? I guess I'm hurt. That a guy a that hurt. you got something free and you sent it to somebody for free and now they're gifting it on and now you're upset about it. Well, I get you law. I talk about this in the outtakes, but I went out to eat with my friend Jerry Blue, who um, it was his birthday and we went out and I gave him the white yeah. dong, the white counterpart to the brown dong that I sent <laughs> the wide. And Jerry Blue had a lot of fun with that dog in that restaurant, yes. okay? Happy birthday, Jerry. I saw the pictures. <laughs> I've seen them. Very lewd. Anyway, five bucks a month, you get all that. For a few bucks more, you get our Sick and Wrong News segment this week. I went really into the whole Ted Nugent testing positive wild. for coronavirus. I fucking can't stand that guy. He triggers Calling you. COVID a hoax. Ironically, he comes down with it. Wish it would have been a little virus. worse than what happened, but whatever. Also, uh, we kind of talk about... Um, uh, Morrissey's recent appearance on The Simpsons and his manager Ugh. calling it a hurtful and racist parody. It's pretty hilarious. And uh, <laughs> Kate did a, is doing a two-part bonus, like a two-part bonus episode of Overkill about Frances Farmer. Yeah, her story is crazy. I couldn't concise, concise it down into like 40 minutes. So it's going to have to be a two-part, guys. It's a two-parter. Yeah. Don't ruin the story and like look at what happens to her because it is crazy. All this and more. Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Also, T Public Store is having a big sale right now. If you go there, you can click on uh, the picture of the Pope at cigarettepodcast.com slash shop. Click on the Pope. You'll go to the T Public Store and you can buy right now, limited time only, for a sale. The Vart shirt that I made in the Dare logo. I actually did it. You made it. I made a Vart shirt. You can get a Vart shirt, or you can even get a Vart face mask if you feel so inclined. You know, vaginas really are terrific, and we should celebrate them. That's that's it. It's an acronym. Vaginas (laughs) are really terrific. Just go to sigmonpodcast.com slash shop, and uh, yeah, click on the picture of the Pope. Finally here, Sigmon Song of the Week, I was gutted. To find out about Gutted. this. Gutted. Shock G, the front man, 
of the uh, hip-hop group Digital Underground died on Friday at the age of 57. Or Thursday, yeah. actually. died Thursday. But, I mean, just a legendary hip-hop group, especially from my youth. Always admired that band. I got to see them live, actually, which is pretty amazing in uh, Marin. I tell that story in the outtakes, but went to a like a random show that they did in like 2000 in a, at a tiny bar in Marin. No one showed up. It was really weird. Like no one showed up. I was, I was so excited about tickets in advance, go over there and there may be like 15 people there in this whole fucking bar. And so he, they were kind of, they were kind of disappointed because they came out and they're just like, ah, no one's here. Well, I guess we're going to get high. And they just started rolling up blunts and everybody was smoking weed and they're doing like all these like, improvisational versions of their songs and he's like what you all want to hear and people would yell out songs and then someone's like humpty dance and uh, he's like we're not gonna play that shit but they did at the end as an encore they did humpty dance but like a really weird version it was a fucking great show they're a very talented band uh but shock g at the age of 57 was found dead thursday in a hotel room in tampa tampa florida according to his father uh, the cause of death at this moment is unclear, but there are no signs of trauma. Um, the authorities are going to conduct an autopsy, but Digital Underground is probably best known for the 1990 hit, The Humpty Dance, which was one of my favorite songs. It was also the song, my go-to song for girls that did not tip me at the strip club. If you didn't oh. tip me more than three times, you're going to get The Humpty Dance. Twice for both songs when you went up when you went up on stage. I was just gonna rewind it and play the Humpty Dance twice for you until you tip me. Um, but it's just it's a fucking great yeah great just a great band very catchy song. Also he had like a like a fake nose like a big schnoz and I had a big okay. schnoz so I identified with it. Oh bless it spoke you. To me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. Shock G born Gregory Jacobs um, had a rotating roster. In that band. And in fact, a young Tupac Shakur was a backup dancer in 1987. Oh. That's where he started his career. They discovered Tupac. This is why I like Biggie more, because Biggie wasn't dancing. He was <laughs> I prefer Biggie, too. But I still think it's kind of cool that Tupac was a backup dancer for Digital Underground before he became, like, a gangsta rapper. Yeah, Tupac. Um, the group's first album, Sex Packets, which is an amazing record. One of my favorites, had it on tape. Uh, had several underground hits, Humpty Dance being one of them. Uh, Tupac, if you ever see the video, is a backup dancer in the video of Humpty Dance. But we're going to play a different song here um, for, for that. Uh, one of my favorite songs, a song I used to play at the strip club on a daily basis, nightly basis, Freaks of the Industry. It's an iconic <laughs> rap song um, from the LP Sex Packets. But what makes this song incredibly unique is it's the only rap song I can think of that has two multiple choice questions in the song. Oh, so the, okay. Yeah, like Shock G is posing two questions for you as to what will you, will you do in a specific situation, this specific situation. You're taxing it and waxing it and working it around till the booty starts making that clapping sound, which is cool, but your friends are chilling in the other room. The clapping's getting louder. You don't want them to clown you. So in this situation, what do you do? A, you plain and simply back up offer. B, you hit it just a little bit softer. C, 
you take it out and put it in her butt. Or D is what I do, so you'll listen up. And he explains what he does in that situation. Okay, okay. But yeah, there's two multiple choice questions in that song, and uh, it's very rare. I don't think it's ever been done in rap. Uh, yeah, the Bloodhound Gang nef- definitely have never done that. Groundbreaking hip-hop, digital I underground, agree. and uh, Shock G, you will be missed. Rest in peace. Uh, we're going to end the show here with uh, Freaks in the Industry to honor Shock G. People will be back next week with episode 789. Until then, take it easy. in the spot, yes, caressing your back with chest to chest, she kissing on my freckles, I nibble around your ears before I suck up on your neck, oh money, money yeah, that's what you'll be screaming and creaming, but it's not a wet drip, it's the real, the freaky dog, Doc Nasty, never letting the kitty cat get past me, without picking it up, petting, teasing it, taking it on home and pleasing it, cause we're the freaks of the industry, use a freak money, B, got that shot, the freaks of the industry And when you see us backstage Be prepared to G Say you're G Nobody else is seeing And the freak that you're with is in front of you Bending over naked and she's leaning on the dresser yeah. You're looking at her from the rear She looks just like Vanessa The right stuff Uh-uh, not Vanessa with the singing career But the X-rated video queen Know what I mean? Alright, here's the scene. You're lying on your back with your head on the edge of the bed. The booty's two feet from your head. Should you A, take the time to find a condom? B, you walk right over and you pound them. C, tell her that you want her love? Well, the answer is D. All of the above, so you're freaking. The furniture's squeaking. She's tweaking, saying that she's weakening the knees. Cheek to cheek and pound for pound. You're taxing it and waxing it and working it around. Till the booty starts making that clapping sound Which is cool, but your friends are chilling in the other room The clapping's getting louder You don't want them to clown you In this situation, what do you do? A, you're plain and simply back up off her B, you hit it just a little bit softer C, you take it out and put it in her butt Well D is what I do, so you'll listen up I put a towel on the floor By the two-inch gap under the door Now they can't see me anymore Check the lock so they can't clock But they can listen There'll be no barging in and there'll be no dissing. dissing. Get back to my mission. Break out the whipped cream and the cherries. Then I go through all the flop positions. My head under her leg, under my arm, under her toe. She says, I like it when you scream, baby, let yourself go. I hit it and split it, lick it and quit it. After the ride, put my clothes on and walk outside. And before anybody gets a chance to speak, I say, yo, don't say nothing. I guess I'm just a freak. with the freaks of the industry. Yo, you worse money, B. The freaks of the industry. And when you see us backstage, be prepared to G. Uh, you know what, man? You's a freak. I seen you with that girl at the hotel after that show last week. What about that time out there in the park? Don't tell nobody.
if there's a cure for this We don't want it, we'll run from it And if there's a remedy We don't need it, we just eat it the sale ended last week but can i still get a discount do you hear yourself we can't go backwards time marches on you want the sale from 15 years ago too when's it end diane you want that price you're gonna have to go through the quantum realm with ant-man <laughs> 